Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Quartz 96 FM. 1850-715-996 is the number. The text or WhatsApp, 083-396-9696. Your email, opinion at 96fm.ie. I hope you were able to make the best out of St. Patrick's Day. Thousands of people out in their cars, beeping their horns and doing all those things. Lord knows. Uh, what it was like to be in that. We didn't do the way we were for a spin down the country, down to Kerry, down to Healy Way country for ourselves yesterday afternoon, just staying away from crowds. What was it like? Did you make the best out of it? And what did you think of Leo's speech last night? He put the heart crossways in most of us when we got the word about quarter past eight that he was making a statement at nine o'clock in Jesus. We better get home before we're in lockdown. It didn't happen. But what did you make of his speech. What did you think of what he had to say? We'll be coming to that uh, shortly. But first, to Mahan and to uh, Chris O'Leary. Chris, good morning to you. Good morning. What, what happened down there, can you tell me? Um, well, an incident in which shots were fired into a house about um, just shortly before 12 o'clock last night took place in, um, in the Mahan area in Avenue de Rennes. Um, and I suppose, really, at this stage, it's under guard investigation. Um, yeah, I, I think this is this is a shocking development in any at any time, you know, especially um, in the current climate. But um, we're lucky that nobody was um, seriously injured or killed. Um, and I suppose, you know, supporting Gardaí at the moment, I would be saying to people, come forward, you know, um, we need to stop this kind of madness at this stage. Um, you know, I can understand people feel um, this disputes warrant certain actions, but no dispute would want an action like this, whatever the issue is. Do you know, I'm sure you do, given your place in the community down there, do, do, without naming names, do you know the family involved? Do you know any potential issues that might have been leading up to this? No, I, I mean, yeah, look, I mean, um, I, I know the family um, and I suppose I'm not aware of um, of anything um, on the grounds of, um, on issues. Um, look, there's lots of rumours. PJ, I'm not going to get into speculation, to be fair. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, you also, like, the, 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 the house could have easily been mistaken for another house. Um, you know, you could have had people coming out of nearby pub and stuff like that if to, if the pubs had been open. So we're lucky that you know that um, you know somebody wasn't wasn't seriously injured. Um, I, I think you know Gardy are dealing with the issue. I, I think that people should support the Gardy on this issue. Um, you know, for um, you know neighbours, um, you know they're they're appalled. 
you know, no, no neighbour um, would, 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 would wish anything like this to happen to themselves or to their neighbours. So, I mean, again, look, this is, this is an issue. It's an issue being dealt with by the Gardaí. I think that whoever is responsible for this, you know, uh, needs to step back from, from, I suppose, making stances like this. Um, you know, um, certainly there's ways and means of dealing yeah. with issues. Um, I get the point. Mediated. Yeah. I get what you're saying. We don't we don't want escalations on, the, on on anything like this. To be fair, um, and cooperation with the Gardaí who who are investigating those units there at the moment. Please mm. support them. The local Black Rock station um, is is opened um, for any information that anybody might have. And of course, um, the, their their number is one eight hundred. The confidential is one eight hundred six 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 one one one. If there's anybody who wants to contact that. Chris, while I have you there, um, mm-hmm. as a community activist uh, of many years standing, yeah. these are tough times, um, tough and unprecedented times. There's a sense of community coming together over the weekend, but do you think that the government have it right so far? Um I suppose, first of all, yes, there's a huge sense of community. People are reaching out to people. People are aware of older people in particular or vulnerable people that might not be able to to get the the messages or, you know, um, to get to places and they're being offered support and help. I know that um, in the local community policing forum down here, text went out over the weekend um, by the two policing uh, community police um, offering support if anybody needed support that they've sent out a text message there. I think overall... Um, the pace at the moment is is probably the correct pace. Uh, I, I think that you know, there's probably you know, if I was putting on my hat, I would say that my my concern is that we probably haven't touched the tipping scale yet with regards to the number of um, testings to be done. I suppose the frightening number for me over over the weekend to hear was that we carried out five thousand in one week, yeah. and then the government saying we've thirty thousand um, testings um, kits. Um, coming in this week, 30,000 doesn't seem to be anywhere close or near um, the explosion that they're expecting to happen within um, the, the speed of the virus. Yeah. Um, so I, I would be concerned about that. I do know that locally here, PJ in the Mahan area, that we do have um, a facility after being reopened and, and, and set up to deal with testings there. Um, I, I would fear, though, that that's, um, you know it, it's a long-term thing. It's not a short-term thing. I think people would need to be told up front that, look, while we're hearing certain dates and stuff like that, that actually yeah. people need to hear that hear it as it is. Um, I, I thought that's what um, the T-shirt would have done last night. I, I felt that there was a there was an opportunity there. I know he was being very frank and fair juice. That we, we 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 commend him on that. But I think, and I'm not being critical just for the sake, but I think that people also need time. They they also need to look at their own resources and mm-hmm. get access to resources. I mean, a number of people have been on to me about, you know, Chris, what what do we do? We yeah. don't we don't have um, we don't have the the, the resources to continue. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Jobs, paid. jobs, mortgages, yeah. rent. And, and, it's it's frightening what lies ahead. It, it is, and I suppose, you know, um, what, my job at the moment is a job coach, PJ, as you probably know, um, work, work, working with, 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 with people. And I would say to them that there's, there's a very good, um, you know, the department have put up a very good material um, just because you don't have what they call the service card. You don't have to have it. Um, you, you can actually access a payment very quickly, your employer. If if they if they can, um, you know, could continue the payment and get reimbursed for the yeah. next few weeks. We're going to face backlogs, and this is this is the this is where we are. This is the crisis. So there are a number of things that are going to happen that people yeah. need to be aware of. But people shouldn't 
shouldn't, um, you know, be found not um, yeah. um, not wanting for support or anything like that. If anybody needs, you know, any advice or anything like that, and myself or anybody else can be of assistance, okay. we're, we're there, and that's, that's what we're there for, you know. So All right, well, there's many, there's many, many activists are contacting us wanting to mm. help, but we're and we're putting the information out there as best we can. Chris, thank you very much. That's Chris O'Leary, uh, 1850 715 996. Just to recap again what the guards have officially said, with regard to that shooting incident last night, they're investigating an incident of shots being fired at a house in Avenue de Rennes uh, about a quarter to 12 last night. A number of males armed with a firearm fired shots through the front door of the house before fleeing on foot. Searches are ongoing, assisted by members of the armed support unit and the gather dog unit. No injuries occurred. We did hear uh, from the occupants or certainly some from family of the occupants in the house. And they're hoping that... that all is done to track down whoever shot through the door. It's a frightening time for that. Now, 1857-15996. What did you think of the Taoiseach's speech last night? We're in the middle of a global and national emergency, a pandemic, the likes of which none of us have seen before. So far, the number of cases in Ireland has been relatively small. However, we believe the number will rise to 15,000 cases or more by the end of the month and rise further in the weeks thereafter. That was one point that came out of it. The other point came out of it was, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets any better. This is the calm before the storm, before the surge. And when it comes, and it will come, never will so many ask so much of so few. We'll do all that we can to support them. Dr Nick Flynn, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Were you expecting more? Um, I, well, I suppose the first thing to say is that uh, the Taoiseach spoke very well and mm. he uh, he did lay out the, the, the situation that the country finds itself in and he did it, I suppose, in a calm and as reassuring a manner as he could while letting us know that there are difficult times for society in the coming weeks and months. Um, so I would say that, 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 that it was, he, he spoke eloquently, he, it was excellent and it was statesman-like uh, and, 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 and there was lots of for the public, that's a very, very good information about where we are and where we're going. But really, from a policy point of view, I would say there was nothing new in it. Mm. The only thing I took from it, other than this, it's going to get a lot worse before it gets better, is that we can forget about the schools going back on the 29th of March. Yeah, that would seem to be the, that would seem to be the case, and, and I think that's um, you know, I mean, obviously public policy will be made by the policymakers, but if we look internationally, we can be sure that there's another, like, four, eight, ten weeks before the schools go back, I would say, but certainly we're looking at that with, at that kind of uh, a timeline. Mm. Um, and, uh, I mean, the numbers are stark, PJ. I mean, he mentioned that there would be 15,000 cases by the end of the month. Uh, Stephen Donnelly then, and uh, the following programme and timeline, uh, said that the figures on that by the end of the following week, because don't forget this is an exponential curve, which yeah. means that cases rise quickly. End of the following week, we could be looking at 75,000 cases. And within a week or two of that, we could be looking at 450,000 to, to Nick, half a million cases. That's mathematical modelling based on evidence and projections and using computers and, and graphs and all of that. But, but from the point of view of day-to-day -day numbers, those are frightening numbers. Can they be avoided? Um, 
I, well, I suppose, yes, they can be avoided. And, and the most important thing that we can do at the moment is follow the guidelines that we've been given, which is basically the social distancing, or as it's been kind of rebranded, physical distancing, which I think is a, probably a kinder way of describing it. Um, and again, just for your listeners, this is a very important part of the policy, which stops the spread between from person to person and should be practised all the time. It should be practised at work, it should be practised in the shop, and it should be practised at home as much as possible. That's not always possible. We, yeah. there, there are challenging times. We've got young kids, we've got belligerent teenagers, we've got uh, adults with mental health problems, and we've got um, people who live with, with intellectual disability, and all of those. And for all of those reasons, because there are challenging, uh, it will be challenging at times. It's important for those of us who can practice social distancing that we do. You know, and it, because it needs a whole society effort, and we need to break the chain and stop the spread yeah. of this uh, of, of of this virus. Uh, I mean, and, and if you ask the listeners for a moment, PJ, just to stop again and, and look around themselves for a second. Mm. Yeah, they're looking around, and, and, and PJ, if they're not more than a meter to two meters away from the nearest person, and they can be, well, they're not playing their part, and they need to play their part. Do you know what's the, the scary part, though, Nick? Is that even yesterday afternoon now? Um, and it was a dull, horrible day, as you know. We headed off in the car for an hour just to break the monotony. And were we not breaking social distancing in the car? Yes, I mean, and that, that's the challenge, PJ, right? So we are uh, human beings, like, we, we, we're social beings. We communicate, we talk to each other, we like to be in each other's companies most most of the time. And, and we're tactile, we like touching off each other, you know, we shake hands, we embrace, we kiss. You know, they, they, that, that, that's the way that's, that, they, that humans have evolved. But, like, this virus has, has evolved to take advantage of all those things, so we need to stop. Um, and, and, of course, like, there will be times, and, and within, like, family spread, household spread is very difficult to, to prevent. Uh, so you can only do your best, and for sure, if you've got, uh, you know, a, a family member who doesn't drive, who needs to be brought to the doctor, you know, I mean, of course you have to get into the car and do that. Uh, but it's important that when you're doing that, that you observe all the other advice. You know, so you're washing your hands. You know, you're not uh, touching. You're not touching. Your, you're not touching the other person. You're not touching your face. You yeah. know, and even have, have the window down. I mean, this is not like. It's up to us now. The, 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 the policy we've been given, the public policy we've been given, is reliant on, on a personal level, the social distancing being successful, yeah. and then on the next level up, on early case identification, yeah. contact tracing, and isolating isolation of the positive cases yeah. and their contacts. That, that, and that has worked in South Korea, but for that to be successful, we need to ramp up testing, and we can see there's 30,000 tests arriving in the country tomorrow, more next week. We've got, we've got to over nearly 30 test centres around the country, so yeah. we're aiming for... So that, that needs to happen, and, and phenomenal work has happened. I mean, the, the, the changes I've seen in my own practice in like uh, in IT infrastructure, you know, in in supply chain, in getting us protective equipment, yeah. all of that has, that has been amazing, and and it really is Team Ireland is really stepping yeah. up. But we we need to uh, our own our, ourselves listeners need to play their part. There's a huge effort on going going on to make sure we get to grips with it. But the questions that come in, for example, is this virus, Nick? Is it air, airborne? Like if I walk down Patrick Street and Patrick Street is empty. 
Can I get it in the air? Is it no, surviving in the air? You certainly can't get it in, in, the, in the air outside. So we know that it's droplet spread. So it's, it's contained in respiratory droplets. So they come from your nose and mouth normally in coughs and sneezes. Yes. This is why cough etiquette is important. If somebody was to cough, they you generally that third to two meter rule comes in you, you're unlikely to to propel a droplet beyond that that two meters and so they, they, they're heavy they fall onto the, onto the floor or if you're in, in, indoors they fall onto work surfaces chairs handles doorknobs you know yes. uh, and that's why it's important the, the cough and sneeze etiquette is very important but also why the disinfecting of frequently touched surfaces is important so door handles the banister the stairs you know your your your, your worktops and any um, hard surfaces and, and and they call that fomite sprays PJ and it's very well described and and it can it can happen. Now, the, it's not thought that aerosol or you know walk into a room. There's nobody there, uh, and and you breathe in the air. It's not thought that that's a significant driver of this virus. Yeah, yeah. It needs the propulsion of the, yeah. of the of the droplets. In of the, the droplets. Yeah. And, and is this why people are asking questions over the weekend? Is this why lockdown may eventually be necessary? In that we literally have the streets completely deserted because is it true that if it has no surface to land on and no, nothing on which to flourish that this actually is quite a short-lived virus? We don't know. Uh, the most important thing that anybody can say to you at the moment is that we know nothing for sure. Yes. So it, 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 in fairness, it's only 12, 16 weeks old, which is a very small, uh, short amount of time, although the amount of scientific information is um, increasing at a rate of not. So nobody knows for sure. It seems to be that this virus uh, can survive for several hours at least uh, on surfaces, uh, and, that, and that could be for even longer. Other coronaviruses, so other viruses in the same family, can survive on surfaces for up to nine days. Like, am I right in saying that the common cold that befalls us all is a coronavirus? That's correct. And is the flu a coronavirus? Influenza is not a coronavirus. No. Okay. 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 Uh, so, PJ, can I just come back in though, just for, for where we are at the please, moment? Please. That's okay. So, so the health service is 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 preparing, right? So it's in a preparation stage, and the hospitals. We heard Paul uh, Reed on uh, his press conference yesterday announcing that they currently have 500 ventilators in the country. They have uh, uh, bought 300 more, up to 800, and they have 100 ventilators a week um, being delivered. I think. Those numbers on their own kind of will let people know the, the, the significance of the illness that's about to, uh, I suppose, fall upon us. When ICU beds up until now, we would have had 250, 300 open in the country at any one time for the, for the sickest people in society. And now we're, that, that capacity is being, is, being, is being increased by thousands of percent. What, what proportion of us, and we're, we're kind of accepting at this stage that a huge number of us are going to get this, how many of us will need a ventilator, Nick? Um, the, again, the, 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 to, the actual numbers are very hard to, 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 um, to be certain on because uh, are we identifying all the cases, etc., etc. But it seems to be that between 5 and 7% of people who uh, fall ill with this virus will need uh, assistive ventilation in some, okay. in some form. Uh, and, and so, so you, you can see what's happening in the health service. I mean, the health service is increasing capacity. General practice's job at the moment, really, uh, our, our role is to identify the patients who fit the criteria for screening. And those patients are basically anybody with recent onset fever 
or respiratory symptoms, okay? And anybody within who has a fever or has respiratory symptoms can contact their general practitioner by phone and we can fill, we, we, we talk to them on the phone, we do a, a, a risk stratification, make sure they fit the criteria and then we refer for testing. And this is the most important thing that we as GPs can do at the moment because the early identification of te- that facilitates the early identification of tests which will then allow the contact tracing and the self-isolation and that is an important part of the policy. So we'd ask patients, that we know everybody is worried, but we'd ask patients that if you are worried or if you've got a question about COVID-19 or coronavirus, please go to the HSE website. Yeah. There's lots of information there on coronavirus, COVID-19, social distancing, self-isolation. Really anything you need to know will be there. If you have an individual question because you're on uh, a particular medication, of course, your GP is available. And that's what yeah. we're here for. But if there are general queries, please look at the website. Like a simple thing, and again, it's, it's the things that people, the simple questions that people are asking, Nick. Like, is it okay to go for a walk around the block with the dog? Yes, absolutely. I met my mum uh, in Crosshaven on Sunday morning. I met her up at the GA pitch above and uh, we met. We stayed two metres apart and we walked around uh, that area up around the GA pitch and up, up around Camden and Crosshaven for about an hour. And we had a grand chat, although we were shouting for part of it. Uh, but, but, you know, but, but, we, but it's important that people uh, like exercise, you know, your normal healthy diet. You know, not to take take it easy with, with alcohol if you're if you're, if you're at home and working from home or maybe off work. You know, it's important that we have regard for our physical and mental health because this is going to be a mini marathon, PJ, and not a sprint. Mm. It's going to go on for several months, and of and of course, while the the social restrictions at the moment allow us to go for walks and to go to the shop, it, it is okay. But in those situations, you should maintain. Uh, your social or your physical distance from other people of two metres. So yes, a walk uh, in the o- outside is to be encouraged. The, the dog will go mental if you don't walk him anyway. So all those things are, are to be encouraged at the moment, but strictly observe, strictly observe your social distancing. And and PJ, really, we're creatures of habit. Like, you know, the, like the most motivated of us won't do it all the time, but we need to do it as much as possible up to up to 100% compliance if we can. Um, more, and if we don't do it, more stringent social restrictions will probably be needed. You know, so we see that Spain and Italy and China have been on, as it's called lockdown. That's a little bit emotive, but basically what it means is that all non-essential work has been yeah. paused, and people have to stay at home, and they can, they can only leave home if they're going to the shop or yeah. they're going to their doctor. That's starting in Belgium I think in a couple of hours time yeah. and, and it's already been considered if it's not done already in France. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the fear is well I suppose yeah, yeah, people are afraid that we'll eventually have to do that here. Yeah, I, I think that it, it, it's, a, it's a possibility. Uh, the Taoiseach last night said that it's not being considered at the moment that they're following the social distancing, the contact identification and tracing with, 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 with self-isolation, mm-hmm. uh, they're following that policy and they're going to introduce then what, what he called cocooning, which is that we'll take the most vulnerable members of society and we'll ask them to, to uh, stay at home uh, f- for a period of probably months and systems will be put in place to bring uh, essential medicines and groceries, etc., to them rather than yeah. them having to go I have, I have a clip actually there, Nick, of, yeah. what, of what he said, just to remind yeah. ourselves. At a certain point, we will advise the elderly and people who have a long-term illness to stay at home for several weeks. We're putting in place the systems to ensure that if you are one of them, you will have food, supplies and are checked on. We call it cocooning. 
and it will save many lives. Nick, I have one last question for you. And the one word that people were using to me in my circle, my friends, my family that I talked to over the weekend, they say, I'm frightened. Um, that's un- un- understandable. It's, it's, it's a human reaction. Uh, what I would say to you, PJ, is that what we need to do is to have trust in, this, in, in the policymakers. They're certainly making very good decisions to date. Um, to be kind to each other. <clears throat> so I think we need to all be, f- be forgiving and to give a little bit more um, consideration and a li- have be a little bit more patient with each other. Uh, health services are going to be a little bit more difficult to access. The way you access health services will change from before and that's probably a change that will go on for months. You know, in your own circles, be, be kind to each other. You know, mm. reach out to people who are, who are, feeling, who are feeling lonely. And, and then I'd like to remind people as well that for 80% of people, yes. 80%, this is going to be a mild illness where they may not even know they were sick or they are yeah. a mild illness. At the, at the most, they'll feel like they've had a really horrible yeah. cold. Absolutely. A couple of last things, yeah. Nick. Very. Uh, is there anything, I've been reading a lot of reports, particularly over the weekend, to do with people taking vitamin C. Someone else about quinine. Someone else telling us not to take ibuprofen, which for an arthritis sufferer, that's like saying not breathe. Like, is there problems with certain things? Is there certain things we can take to to boost our resilience? What is the story? So, again, coming back to what I said very early on, PJ, we're on a steep learning curve and we know very little for sure, but we know we do know some things. Uh, Coming to things like uh, vitamin supplements and garlic and healthy lifestyle. Look, people, please can practice all of those that, that that they want to practice themselves but there's no evidence that vitamin c is going to make you more resilient to coronavirus or prevent or obviously it won't prevent you getting it so in that regard there's no evidence uh, when it comes to what medications to take and not take they, it's been fairly clear that there's no evidence that neurofin or ibuprofen uh makes uh, your outcome worse if you contract uh, coronavirus so that ha- that hasn't been proven and that's that and that's the pol- that's a policy statement for the Irish colleges uh, of of GPs at the moment so uh, there and, and there have been other I mean even if you can imagine even among like medical circles there are hypotheses emerging and are, are, can they be proven or not so look we, we will learn a lot more about yeah. this virus but there's like you, you're Paracetamol is a very safe drug. Ibuprofen is a reasonably safe drug, you know, and there's no evidence of any vitamins or health supplements that will help you fight this virus. Although, if people want to take them for their own health care belief, yeah. that's absolutely Because there are articles out there in the system saying that if, if you take vitamin C supplements, it can reduce the effect or it can give you resistance to it. But there's no no real science behind that, is what there's you're no, saying. There's, there's no science behind that. Okay, all right. Nick, thank you very much, Dr. Nick Flynn, uh, 1850-715-996. There's a confirmed case only up the road from us here at uh, St. Luke's Primary School. It's one of the smallest schools, certainly in the city centre or close to it. Uh, Councillor Oliver Moore. And Oliver, good morning. Good morning, PJ. PJ, that was a really useful piece. Thanks very much for hearing that. Welcome. Just, just before. Uh, that's kind of the job we're, we're hoping to be able to do here. Keep it to the facts, keep it to the science as best we can. Yeah, um, the, the case at St. Luke's, now obviously like, like all the other schools, it's closed. Um, but we have, we have a confirmed case there. We, we do. And look, the first thing I think we should all acknowledge is that it's a stressful time for people. Um, and 
I mean, for for the, the families and the children and the staff members affected by this, obviously hearing the name of your, your school or your workplace on the radio or in a newspaper or in social media adds to that stress. And I think we should begin everything by acknowledging that and begin everything by saying that our, our, all of our efforts in everything we do about this is about uh, building community and about making sure that, that people uh, have the information they need and uh, that everybody is is looked after by the people around them. Um, so yes, that there is uh, a case was uh, uh, found uh, in St. Luke's School on Monday. Uh, the uh, p- uh, parents and staff were notified also on Monday, and the school put up a notice on their their website. The advice, which has already gone out to everybody, is that. Uh, to begin self-isolating, contact your GP, look out for symptoms and follow the HSE advice, just like you had on before. The HSE really is the number one source of truth there. I'm I'm actually going to the HSE website every day. Mm. It's really useful, it's really informative, it's really easy to use, and it's got really practical advice. Mm. Uh, one, One of the new things which I've seen they put up is even advice on mental health. That's, like, I know myself, I can, you know, I'm off work now, my wife is off work, uh, we're here with our son. It's a difficult time to get through. Yes, and we're we're really relying on the people around us. Uh, the the street here set up a WhatsApp group. People are are sharing what they're doing. They're saying, look, if if there's a neighbour to look out for, a neighbour can do something for, then get in touch with the WhatsApp group. Those kind of things really help because what they sh- what they show is that you're actually not alone. You might be self-isolating, yeah. but you're not alone. And that there's people around you who can always help you. Just like your previous guest said, or I think you said to, to your previous guest, I was, I was out on on Saturday um, speaking to the local shop and I heard of a neighbour, uh, an elderly lady, something which she said to the, the shop owner, was that she felt alone and afraid. Nobody should feel alone and afraid. Yeah. The, the first thing you sh- everyone should know is there are people around you who can bring you shopping, you can, you, you can phone, you can have a, a, a conversation with, you can text them if, if you need assistance. There's always people around you. They might have to leave the shopping on the doorstep. But, exactly. But at there's least no, you'll get yeah. what you need. Yep. Just w- with regard to St. Luke's, again, Oliver, uh, do you have a personal connection there? No, no, not me personally, no. Um, now it's it's only just down the road from me. Yes. Um, my own son goes goes to a different school. Yeah. Um, but look, I, 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 like everybody is affected by this. Mm. Everybody, no matter what you're doing, you're either social distancing. Uh, if if you've been in contact with with somebody who's a confirmed case or you're 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 showing symptoms, you'll be you'll be self isolating different ways. So this is something which which cuts across everybody. So even if you even if you are somebody who's directly affected by a case such as St. Luke's. And there's going to be lots more cases like St. Luke's. Yeah. Like, it, it, this is going to be like something, but what the Taoiseach said last night, this is going to be going on for weeks. Mm. And, you know, a- every case that comes up, yes, it's, it's, it's important that we know about them, uh, that rumours don't circulate, that we're honest about, about uh, when cases come up and that, that people know what's going on. But we don't need to get afraid at every case. This is going to be very normal, and we, as a society, need to adopt in such a way that we can provide the support for people who are affected, yeah. so that people don't get the frighteners if they're directly affected. They don't get the frighteners if they hear something in the rumor mill, or on social media, or you know whatever way that they, you know they they're worrying unnecessarily. 
So mm-hmm. facts, facts are very important. So yeah. w- one of the things, so I was actually contacted by the Irish Examiner about this yesterday, and the very first thing when she, the reporter said to me was, we've heard a rumour of that. And that, that set off alarm bells in my head because we really want to quash rumours. Mm. So if it's, if it's a case that you know, people hear that there's a school on the north side that's affected, that's everybody on the north side worrying. Really, when we know that which school the case was identified in, now we actually know the people who we as a community can give support to. Yeah. And that we, we can tell them that they're not alone rather than everybody feeling frightened unnecessarily. Yeah, let's, let's 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 try and keep it to the facts and keep it to the science. Thank you that for that. That's Councillor Oliver Moran, eighteen fifty seven one five nine nine six. And like we are kind of given the HSE, we're we're laying off them. We give them a hard time here, twelve months of the year, but we're kind of laying off them a bit for this because they've got enough on their plate without us giving them more grief. Their number is eighteen fifty twenty four eighteen fifty eighteen fifty. 241850 and their website is hse.ie. I had a quick look at it last night just for half an hour. There's a lot of information there and it's well laid out, to be fair. 1850 241850. The opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. With the solid fuel depot at Drew's filling station, Turner's Cross. Call and collect or get seven day delivery for those cozy nights in solidfueldepot.ie. We got Lorraine on the desk. We got Demi dropping the beats. I want to know more about you dropping the beats. Like, I gave you ice. Lorraine, leave it alone. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. We've lost the plot. Got me feeling so good. Lorraine and Demi. Lorraine and Demi. Live. If you're looking for something a little bit different, look no further. Listen to us on a Saturday. It's good fun. Four hours. Thank you. Join us. Lorraine and Demi. Live. Saturdays, 2 to 6 p.m. With Douglas Court Shopping Centre. Celebrating 30 years at the heart of the community. On Cork's 96. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 96. On Cork's 96. Coming up in a while, I'll be talking to Professor John Crown, an oncologist and a former senator who believes we're actually not doing enough and not doing it fast enough. Just on Leo's speech, Finn says, hope you and the gang are good. Thank you, Finn. We are so far anyway. We stopped in our tracks to watch Leo last night. It was well scripted, but something in my head is saying that we're being drip-fed the facts about what is coming down the road. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people would agree with you, Finn. There is more to come. I think you can take from that speech last night that the schools will not be going back at the end of March. You can take that as pretty much red. There's even some speculation in the papers this morning as to whether or not the leaving and junior cert might have to be cancelled. That's no decision been made on that at the moment. Someone in the teachers teaching council said it might be worth considering at this stage. It's not even under consideration just now. We're in the middle of a global and national emergency, a pandemic, the likes of which none of us have seen before. So far, the number of cases in Ireland has been relatively small. However, we believe the number will rise to 15,000 cases or more by the end of the month and rise further in the weeks thereafter. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets any better. Uh, Carla says that speech last night was a joke. The airports are busy. The airport in Lanzarote was frightening on TV the other night. Why didn't they lock the country down? I'm a compromised person. I can't go outside the door. 
I've compromised members of my family. We're all split up now. There are kids having parties and stupid drunk all over the place. Why isn't the country just locked down before any more people come in here and kill us? We're not robots. This caller is a COPD sufferer and knows that she can't have anti-inflammatories with lung conditions and asthma. Common sense tells you you shouldn't have it with this either. If one of my kids gets symptoms... Okay. Oh, did, yeah. Oh, you, yeah, you're probably... Right. Well, what Nick Flynn has said is that there are reports out there of this being bad for it and that being bad for it. Just take your advice from your doctor because they're the most up-to-date. They're the ones who are doing the research. They're, so if your doctor tells you to take something, take it. And if they tell you not to take something, don't take it. But don't be getting your information from Facebook. Just on COMH, there are new rules at COMH on, on visiting uh, and visiting people and being there, I suppose, during that joyful time. We hope joyful time for everyone as, as new babies come into the world. There are new visitor restrictions at COMH now as of 18th of March, which is today. Further visitor restrictions are in place at Cork University Maternity Hospital in the interests of patient and public safety. Thank you for your cooperation and sincere apologies for any distress and inconvenience caused. Women in for labour or induction of labour, one nominated companion only. For all other inpatients, including antenatal inpatients and postnatal, no visitors allowed. For patients in the neonatal intensive care, just one parent allowed. And for outpatients, only the women attending the appointment, no partners, no children or nominated companions. And anyone with a query for COMH is invited to call them at 021-492-0500. 492 1850-715-996. Now, uh, Professor John Crown uh, joins me. John, good morning and thank you for taking our call. Good morning, PJ. How, a lot of people are saying that last night we should have announced lockdown or virtual lockdown, like Belgium is from midday today, Spain is, we've seen the implications of that, and Italy has been, despite how tragic. Should we be doing more at this point? Well, PJ, I mean, I, I, honestly, I don't want to second-guess the government. I think they really are doing the best job they can in very difficult circumstances, and I think they have taken, you know, great and responsible measures, and hopefully, hopefully, hopefully we will see some impact of those in terms of the incidence curve starting to drop over the next few weeks. My, my own concern, PJ, as a cancer specialist, and I'm not a public health specialist, I mean, obviously we're used to dealing with infections and infected patients and people with all kinds of virus infections as part of our cancer work, but my main concern is that I know from first-hand experience, having been back in Ireland, now for 27 years that we have a generally shall we say under provided for cancer service compared to other countries in western europe we would have a much smaller number of ventilators we'd have a much smaller number of intensive care beds a much smaller number of intensive care specialists and indeed specialists of all types so from my perspective what will happen once we do get what the Taoiseach rather chillingly referred to as a tsunami or as a, as a storm of new cases coming in when we do have the storm of new cases coming in, I, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for any health service, no matter how well provided it was to cope with it. I think it will be very difficult for ours, and I think we need to do public health plus in an attempt to prevent that from happening. Explain what you mean by that. I, I just think that whatever the prudent and reasonable recommendations are, we should do those and then do more. Uh, because we just don't have the we don't have the we don't have the flexibility in our system. We don't have the slack in our system to cope with any kind of a surge. Um, and I, I just think it's critical. And the, the other thing I have to say, PJ, is uh, an assumption is being made that these measures, and, and trust me, I believe they will be introduced, 
So they have to be introduced slowly or that people, A, won't accept them or B, will get fed up with them. I actually have a lot of faith in Irish people. I think the level of social responsibility that we have shown as a country over the last several weeks, the solidarity we've shown, I think has been simply extraordinary. The number of businesses that way ahead of official recommendations have voluntarily closed down, uh, the number of events that have closed down, the way people are living and changing their lives and taking more care about you know, not cross-infecting, especially infecting older people, suggests to me that we are ready for the tough measures, and when they are introduced, we will stick with them. And my own belief is, let's just work on the assumption we're going to have a bit of a financial uh, problem as a result of this awful epidemic. We, we will. Everybody knows that there's no one who believes we won't have some kind of a financial hangover from it, which might be a very severe recession. Hopefully it won't be too bad. But it's going to be there anyway. Uh, and I think delaying the measures by one week or by 10 days in an attempt to perhaps soften that economic blow, if that was the logic, and I'm not saying it is the logic, it certainly appears to be the logic the British have followed, which I think yeah. has been illogical completely, I think that doesn't make sense. Let me bring another voice into this, uh, Professor Crown. It's just a recording I have of Dr. Mike Ryan um, from the World Health Organization, Sligo Man. Um, and he said something like that last week. What he was saying was, don't be afraid to take the hard decision at a time when it could be very unpopular. This is what this is what, this is what, what, what Mike Ryan was saying. It's not, you pro- you've probably heard it. The lessons I've learned after so many uh, Ebola outbreaks in, in my career are be fast, uh, have no regrets. You must be the first mover. The virus will always get you if you don't move quickly. The problem in society we have at the moment is everyone is afraid of making a mistake. Everyone is afraid of the consequence of error. But the greatest error is not to move. There's a lot in what he says there, isn't there, John? Oh, absolutely. He's deadly right now. I think as a nation we should be so proud of him. Um, you know, Dr. Tony Fauci, who is the, the grand old person of infectious disease medicine in the United States. He was there for the AIDS crisis of the 80s. I'm old enough to remember that. He was there for all the crises since and is now the real brains behind America's response to uh, to COVID-19, not, not Vice President Mike Pence, thankfully, it really is uh, Tony Fauci who is, he's making the same point. He said, if you, you know, if you think, if you're worried that you're overreacting, you're probably just doing what's right. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I think we, we have to get the public health 110, we, we, we can't afford to have it nearly right, we have to have it 110% right because we're not, there are all kinds of potential problems waiting uh, once the storm hits the health system. Finally, and in your own specialty, cancer, one thing we know about cancer, John, is that even when you get over it, and thankfully more and more people do these days, your health is compromised for a very long time. So there's a lot of people out there who might have had cancer two years ago and their treatment was successful. They're still going back for their checkups. They're compromised. Their, their, their system is weakened. So we need to be very careful of an awful lot of people, don't we? Yes, and you've got fantastic cancer specialists in Cork and you've wonderful people like... Brian Byrd and Derek Parrish and Ms. Riley Dr. McDonald and others, you know, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful cohort of cancer specialists, and there'll be good advice there. But what I would say is there was one paper published about several weeks ago which suggested that if you had a cancer history and you got the COVID infection, that your risk of progressing to the more serious version might have been, might be higher. So there's probably some truth to that. It may have somewhat overstated the risk, but I think one thing we all absolutely do understand is that huge categories of our cancer patients are absolutely at increased risk. We need them not to get it. And we are, as a group of oncologists, already tailoring our practices to minimize the risks that our patients go through as a result of our treatments, but also to minimize the risks they go through as a result of having to break isolation to come into treatment. Because a lot of the treatments that we give 
important as they may be, have a somewhat marginal benefit. And that benefit may have been defined in trials where, you know, a risk-benefit ratio was calculated. We said, you know what, there's a bit of a risk with the treatment, but the benefit is bigger. PJ, none of those trials were done during an epidemic. That's the problem we have right now. So pretty much any time we ask somebody to break isolation in their house and come to hospital, we are exposing them to some level of risk. So what we're all trying to do right now is to decrease that risk as much as we can by decreasing the visits as much as possible, decreasing the intensity of the treatments where possible, and hopefully, please God, in a few months, in a few months, things will get back to some kind of normality. But at the moment, it's very uncertain. And John, finally, can we address what is out there? And I felt it with people I was talking to at the weekend, fear. Well, so again, this is a cliche, and the, 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 the mildness of the infection for most people, I think, has been perhaps inappropriately, inappropriately emphasized in an attempt to trivialize the, the public health problem. This is not an infection you want to get, but it has to be remembered that most people who get the infection, the majority, probably the great majority of people who get the infection, they will have an illness. It'll be a bad illness that they'll wish they didn't have, but they'll get through it, and at the end of it, life will pretty much go back to normal. Um, but there are clearly groups of patients uh, based on age, based on infirmity, based on other illnesses for whom the risk of it progressing to a serious illness is higher. So these are people who need to take a really, really, really big effort, make a really big effort to, uh, to, um, to not get infected. PJ, this is in our hands. I mean, it really is. Somebody who's sitting alone in their house, who never meets anybody else, who doesn't touch anybody else, you know, the Howard Hughes syndrome back in the day when he sat up in his penthouse in Nevada because he was so terrified of germs. Uh, you know, if, if we could all do that, the virus would die out. But, I mean, we can't. We have an obligation of certain levels of interactions. But the thing we need to do is to keep them to an absolute bare minimum. Unless it's essential, don't do it. I can't visit my 93-year-old mother in her nursing home. It's breaking her heart. She can't see my 4-year-old son or my, or my other children. She can't get grandchild visits. But she understands the necessity of it. Um, similarly, you know, elderly people should... People with illnesses should absolutely practice self-isolation. Don't wait for the government to tell them to do it. You know, arrange for their food to be delivered or collected or to make one trip themselves to the shop, keep it to an absolute minimum, wash their hands when they come back from it, cook all the food, and, you know, just try not to get it. Okay. You know, if you do that, you won't get it. Okay. John, listen, thank you very much for your time. Uh, Professor John Crown, uh, consultant oncologist in Dublin, 1857 and 6. On Friday, we spoke to Mary. Now, Mary's not her real name. Her name is Neve. And she's back now. And thankfully, I think, Neve, you've had the results of your test and it's not COVID that you have. Good morning. Yeah, hi, um, PJ. Nice to uh, speak to you again. Um, yeah, so I don't have COVID, but I have a very, very serious chest infection. Okay. That's probably, you know, the whole, couple, the whole five or six days, we thought it was COVID and the doctors dealing with me, you know, we did, because I was showing all the symptoms. So I would agree with... Um, Professor Crown, and I'm delighted to listen that that's, you know, the conversation that's happening today opposed to the conversation that was happening Friday, because that, you know, was quite overwhelming for me when I knew the reality of what we were facing mm. and what I had experienced myself on the Thursday night, because I saw firsthand how contagious this thing is in terms of the paramedic that came into my annex on Thursday evening. And um, I have, I think what, what I need to get out is um, I've got two messages today. One is, we don't want to get this, and we want to keep safe and well, and it is in our power. It is in our hands, and I am pleading with people to just realise that, mm. because there was very hairy moments for me, you know, the last couple of days, and it's very hard. And, 
it, this isn't like the, sick, the, the ship is sinking. We're and you're still ship. in isolation now because you're vulnerable now with the infection you have. I'm really vulnerable and now I'm totally high risk because, I mean, I went up to A&E on Thursday night. So look, just the reality of it, right? And this is what's so serious about it and people aren't getting, you know, and, and this isn't fun. This is serious. And but what I can say is we are an island. I'm so glad we're an island. If we let this virus die off, we can actually be safe. So we have an opportunity if we all pull together, stop giving out about the leaders and follow them and support them. And they're doing an incredible job. You know, they really are. And I'm super impressed with them as what they're turning around and reacting at the disgraceful behaviour on Saturday night in Temple Bar and how they just took action immediately. Mm. But what I would say, and I had um, Simon Coveney rang me personally last night to, to give me a commitment about the ferry. So, like, that is leadership if you've ever, ever seen it. And we mm. all need to be supporting them, okay. all parties. Everything put to the side, 100% we need to go in the same focus. Okay. And number one is not getting it and all being super responsible. So from my um, perspective, I don't have COVID, but I had an intense seven days. And we, the challenge was, and what was very scary for me was, I was continuously getting worse and worse, unable really to breathe. Like, this is the best I've been yeah. In 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 days. Well, at least you at least you 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 don't have it, which is a relief. But you're very vulnerable while you have this infection, which means you're still in in no, isolation. And it's not a good thing. I would have yeah. actually preferred if I had it and I was out the back of it. Yeah. I thought I was out the back of it. Neve, I'm going to have to go because the time is coming up to news. Oh, can I just tell you this? Yeah, can I seconds. tell you this? So so what it is is I couldn't get steroids, and I couldn't get extra ventilin, and I had an acute asthma because you couldn't. I couldn't take the steroids. And I needed steroids for the Ventolin. And I couldn't get that until we got confirmation that it was the virus. Yeah. So I was getting, my health was going down. I couldn't get the test results. And we couldn't start treating me for this until we got confirmation. So like, so I've, so all of everyone that's flooding the system actually impacted my health. Okay. Okay. Do you know, okay. that's the point. I'm going to need to so, leave it there because of the okay. clock and no other reason, Neil. But thank you very much for that. That's and I wish you well. I hope you make a full and a quick recovery. That's Neil Gunn. The Opinion Live with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. Can someone please explain to me why it's even a question that needs to be asked? Do we continue with horse racing behind closed doors? We've got no soccer. We've got no rugby. We've got no ga. We still will have the Olympics, we think, but maybe not because one of the senior members of the Olympic Committee has now been apparently diagnosed with, with COVID-19. Why is horse... Even in Britain, they've decided to stop horse racing. Why is horse racing still going on behind closed doors? Can someone please explain this to me? 1850-715-996, text 83 396-96-96 and the email is opinion at 96fm.ie We had a lot of focus in the run-up to the weekend and we will have an awful lot of focus in the weeks and months to come on the economy and what is going to happen to it because of this virus in our midst, midst. And we've talked about already the huge impact on jobs, the huge impact on workers' rights, literally tens of thousands of people Tens of thousands of people since last weekend now have no job. 
at least for a while and they don't know whether they'll ever have a job again because they will be why not, loads of temporary job losses. Some of them will end up permanent. And then you people who have to continue to go to work, like the bus drivers, trying to get us around. And they have made a decision and their two unions, SIPTU and the National Bus and Rail Union, are encouraging their drivers to not deal with cash. Cash is filthy, lads. They're encouraging their drivers to not deal in cash and to take leap cards and to encourage the use of, of leap cards. And a lot of bus drivers over the weekend were waving people on. At least this is just anecdotal. Were waving, waving people on when, who didn't have a leap card or didn't have a travel card of any kind and just said, look, forget it. And now they may face, they may face disciplinary action. That is the last thing you want happening. You want people to take public transport, but you don't want them disciplined for not having cash, or you don't want drivers disciplined for doing the decent thing and letting them on without cash. But Mick Barry, that that has emerged. We believe that bus area management have threatened drivers with disciplinary action if they don't handle cash. Good morning. Good morning to you, PJ. Yes, um, I mean, walkers across the city and county and the country uh, are facing huge challenges uh, in this situation. We've seen the situation with the bus drivers, the Kyle Moore walkers, the student nurses. But to talk about the bus drivers first, maybe. So bus driving is a, is a difficult job at the best of times. Uh, in this crisis, um, it's a, a very difficult job. Um, bus drivers feel that they're not getting provided with enough uh, sanitizers. Uh, not all of them are able to walk behind screens. Mm-hmm. But the issue that's arisen uh, over the weekend is the issue of handling money. Now, as you rightly say, um, the two unions said, don't handle the money. Many, many drivers are uh, sticking to that position. So if someone gets on the bus and they have a leap card, walk away. If you have a bus pass, walk away. If you don't, as you say, they're being waved onto the buses. The company aren't happy with that. They haven't put it in writing, but verbally... Workers have been told you will be disciplined uh, if you continue with this uh, position. I think that's wrong. I think it should be withdrawn. I think that Bus Air and, um, and all the transport companies should say it's uh, no charge from here uh, for the duration of the crisis. But if they're not willing to go down that road, at the very least, uh, stop threatening the, dri- the drivers who are doing such a really good job that the public appreciates and who are only making a stand for their own health, the health of their colleagues and the health of the general public. And at a time of social distancing and this two metre thing, it's very hard for them to do their job safely. It is hard for them to do their job safely. The vast majority of the buses in the city area do have screens, uh, but drivers who are doing the expressway runs and are going to rural areas, by and large, do not have screens. Uh, There should be sanitizer provided. This is an issue in a lot of uh, jobs, it's a big issue in retail, it's a big issue for post office workers. Uh, in general, there's few enough uh, workplaces where sanitizer is being provided uh, in the proper way for workers. But the money is a particular issue uh, in retail and for the likes of bus drivers, yes. Mick, this is going to cause thousands of permanent job losses. Let's, let's, let's bite down on this and accept it. What about the temporary ones? It's going to cause thousands of permanent job losses. And the government need to be preparing for that even before the numbers of the virus comes under control, and it will. So so what needs to be put in place for afterwards? There needs to be uh, 
social protections put in place for working people. Uh, Ten years ago, right around the world, we bailed out the banks. Uh, This time around, we need to bail out workers and their families. That is happening to some extent uh, in other countries. For example, I read over the weekend that um, uh, employers in the Netherlands have been asked by the government to continue to pay their workers uh, and the government will um, uh, cover that to the tune of 90% of a wage for the next three months, provided that there's no layoffs, right? In some Scandinavian countries, it's 80%, and I understand that in Belgium, it's 70%. Now, that's quite different from the position of workers here who have been laid off and who are on €203 uh, per week. Mm-hmm. So I think that's an issue that needs to be looked at. Uh, in Italy, which obviously has taken the brunt, um, the government have uh, organised uh, a moratorium or a holiday on mortgages and utilities. Yeah. Right? Um, that is something that should be done here, but it's important that one group doesn't fall through the cracks. And in some ways, they're in a very vulnerable position, and that is the renters, Right. And I think as well that rents should be waived for the duration of this crisis. Now, I know that the government have appealed to landlords to be understanding. I think the phrase they used was to show forbearance. Yeah. Uh, I'm quite sure that many landlords will. Um, but I also know that some won't. Um, and renters and workers shouldn't just be relying on the goodwill of landlords and employers. They, they should have rights and entitlements. In this situation as well, because if I mean, okay, a landlord might say to me as a tenant or to you as a tenant, "Well, look, because of the situation, I'm not going to collect rent off you for, we'll say, the next eight weeks." And you say, "Thank you very much," but but he or she has still got a mortgage to pay on the property, so there's got to be some forbearance there as well, doesn't there? Uh, there does. Now I understand that there's an announcement due uh, this afternoon, and I think. Mortgage holders will be looking at that very carefully, what comes out from the meeting with the banks uh, uh, today. Uh, But the basic point is that we've had crises down through the years where it's been, you know, what my mother used to call the poor bloody infantry, the the ordinary five-eighths, the walking people, um, who've carried the can. Joe and Mary Soap. We had that with the Great Recession, and uh, walking people uh, should not... Um, um, be sacrificial lambs in this situation. There needs to be uh, protections uh, in terms of uh, people's incomes. And I don't mind how you skin that, right? I mean, my feeling is that that no working family should be worse off as a result. And there's different ways of doing it. You, you can do it like they've done it in the Netherlands with the 90% guarantee, or that you can do it like it's been done in Italy with the mortgages and the utility bills written off. We can be creative as to how that's done. Yeah. But it's it's important Something has to be done. that ordinary people and their families are not driven into poverty over this uh, getting, issue. Of getting months. one or two calls here, Mick, about um, rent, paying rent online for the city council. Some difficulty with it, I think, at the moment. Okay, well, we'll uh, when the call is done, we'll put a, we'll put a call through to the, to, uh, the City Hall this, and see what the position this, this is call and if, says, if we can out-up We're, try, we're trying to pay, uh, but they have a big sign up over the account number and PIN. I don't know what that 
means what that sign says, but they've got some difficulty paying rent online to the council this morning is, is what's coming through. Finally, before I let you go, student nurses, we should be thinking of them too. Yeah, I suppose one of the uh, takeaway lines that people got from the Leo Varadkar speech last night was that superheroes don't always wear capes, right? Mm. Um, but here in Cork, uh, superheroes don't always get paid either, right? Now, we have uh, 150-plus uh, third-year student nurses in UCC who are due to go into CUH and other hospitals next Monday for their placement. Traditionally, what happens in your placement year is you don't get paid a wage, you do get paid a travel allowance, uh, and there's training involved. But this year is different because a lot of those student nurses have part-time jobs. Yeah. A lot of those part-time jobs are in the likes of nursing homes. And because they're going to be working in hospitals, they will not be able to go into their part-time jobs, not just for the six weeks of the placement, but also for two weeks afterwards when they'll have to self-isolate. So in other words, they're going to lose wages for a full two months. Many of those students are renters um, who face an accommodation crisis in that situation. And my basic point, and their basic point, which I'm happy to back them on, is to say that, look, these student nurses going into the CUH and the other hospitals next week, they should be paid a wage and they shouldn't lose out for the work they're doing at this time of crisis. Okay. All right, listen, I'll, make a, I'll leave it there for now. Thank you very much. Mick Barry, uh, Solidarity TD for Cork North Central. I have no doubt we will come back to all of these issues on an ongoing basis because people are already losing their jobs. They're already losing income. They're already losing hours where if you're paid by the hour, that's, that's a big loss for you. If you like, if you're used to 15, 16 hours work a week in whatever shop or premises you're in, and now you're down to five, that causes all sorts of problems. So, what do we do for those people? 1850 715 996, Little Island drivers, bus drivers, I take it, got their little bottle of sanitizer this morning. I'm not one for standing up for a company, but they did give it out. Why don't we have contactless payment on the buses? was in Liverpool a month or two ago, and it was all tap and go on the bus. I'm not sure whether you can do it here yet. If you have an Android phone, I think you can pay with that in the leap thing. I don't know, but certainly we're way behind the UK, way behind the UK in terms of contactless payment on buses at the moment. <clears throat> ah, just on the... Oh, yeah, we have a traffic update there, Mallow. Uh, callers on the Cork side approaching Mallow. There's a huge backlog. There are cones diverting traffic and no one seems to know how to get around it. There's no guards around, no idea what's happening, but nobody knows the road. Thinks there's some kind of accident, but the whole place is choked up. Now, I was going into Mallow last Thursday night, caller. Um, I was heading out to see my ever-reliable chiropractor going through Mallow and the cones are all over the road, whatever they're going on, whatever's going on there. And it is hard to follow. You're, you're, you're quite right. It is quite hard to follow. 1850-715-996. They're locking down in Belgium in a couple of hours. I want to check in there next. The Opinion Line on Course 96 FM. With the solid fuel depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Great deals on all solid fuels with seven-day delivery. Solidfueldepot.ie. Question number 10. What 90s radio station that broadcasts all over Europe was from Mead? Atlantic 252. All right, let's go back and check it out. And the 90s radio station that broadcasts all over Europe was Atlantic 252. You have just won 2,000. Oh, yeah! 
That's how you do it. That was the best boom shakalaka I think we've had. Easy money, easy this is money. This to be for the big wins. Good man. John Duggan, you've won two grand. Thanks, Jesse. Uh, Cheers, buddy. Another winner. There you go. Go, go, go. The two grand minute. Listen to play. At 7.40 and 8.40 every day. Casey and Ross in the morning. On Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Now, the first use of the word lockdown uh, referred to, to Italy when the already strict enforcement was stepped up a gear and Italy is now completely locked down. Now Spain is locked down, including the islands, the Canaries and the Balearics. Locked down. You can't go out unless you have an explanation for being out. France, I think, is either there or going there very quickly. And Belgium is going on lockdown from about an hour's time. I think, local time out there. Kevin Purcell is a freelance journalist and broadcaster. Kevin, good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. Now, Kev, uh, and you're only based in in Brussels a short while. Does it look as if things are going to change dramatically for midday? Well, they will change. I mean, since the weekend, the restaurants and bars have been shut here. So we are in a bit of a semi-lockdown as it is. It's very quiet around the place. But in just over half an hour's time, um, new, stricter measures uh, come into effect. So basically, we're being told that we can't go out uh, of our homes from from midday, 11 o'clock your time. You're allowed to go to the shop. The shops would be open. The pharmacies would be open. The banks would be open by appointment only. Uh, petrol stations and post offices would be open and even bookshops. But uh, everything else will shut down. You're asked to stay indoors. Um, when it comes to the shops, there will be a limit of one customer per 10 square metres of retail space. And lines are going to be drawn on the floor show a one metre distance when queuing uh, inside and outside to keep that social distancing up. Now I suppose the good news for us here is you are allowed out for a walk, for a jog to go to the park uh, but you're, you have to go on your own or either with one person who must uh, who must live in the same uh, property as you. So that's, uh, that's where we stand now, about to kick in, in in just over half an hour's time. And this will be policed in the streets I understand? We're told that the police will be out and will be enforcing it. Um, I suppose I've been just looking around here and now I don't see any activity yet. Um, but I hear the police will be, uh, I suppose, talking to people first and explaining the rules. Um, but we hear that repeat offenders or people who are constantly out in groups uh, could face being fined or even brought to court, or to court if they don't comply with these new rules, which uh, told uh, are in effect until... Uh, April 5th uh, at least. Yeah. Now, the, the European Union, of course, is the, the, the big industry in Brussels and the European Parliament. Uh, they've had restrictions in place for the last week or so, haven't they? European Parliament, uh, just down the road from where I am now, ha- has been shut down for over a week now, and we, we don't know when it's uh, it's going to come back. Um, there, there was supposed to be a, a, what, they, what they call a cleaner. It's usually held in Strasbourg, um, but it was moved to Brussels um, 
two weeks ago uh, and reduced to one day. There's another one that was due to go ahead at the end of the month. That's been cancelled. And there's one scheduled for the start of April. But look, we have no idea mm. if, if Parliament will be back up and running. Just sort of ironic because the, the politicians sort of need to be in there um, to talk about this and to maybe uh, put forward legislation surrounding uh, you know the economy or or, or anything related and, and on the on the economy i mean and we we talked the fears for for people working in ireland as you know that tens of thousands of people already on reduced or no hours at all what's being done for the people out in belgium that you know of who are going to lose their jobs out of this well, look, it's a similar situation all around Europe, I think, at this stage. Um, I suppose Belgium is sort of in a in a similar situation to Ireland um, in the sense that there's a caretaker government here. Um, and just in the last few days, uh, the king here has granted the caretaker prime minister uh, extra powers uh, for the next three months, which means uh, she can kind of fast-track legislation uh, to deal with these sorts of problems without... A, a sort of a, a parliamentary vote. Um, so, I mean, it, it's, it's difficult to know. It's early days. I mean, myself, I'm, I'm a self-employed freelancer, uh, which uh, most of my work is based in the parliament, which is now shut down. So so I'm not worried too much about the lockdown, but I'm sort of worried about how long this is going to go on for. Yeah. All right. Well, stay well out there, Kevin, and stay safe. Thanks very much. That's Kevin Porcel, a freelance broadcaster and journalist. Uh, 1850-715-996. So in about 40 minutes in, in Belgium, um, you'll only be able to go out to the shop. There's only one person in the shop at a time. They'll have to stand do it a metre or two metres apart in a queue. You can go for a walk, but pretty much only on your own. All non-essential businesses are closing, and that's going to be that way until at least the 4th or 5th of April in an attempt to stop the spread of this blasted invader that has just come without invitation into our lives and is determined to destroy them if we can't get to it first. On businesses and rates, because looking down on Patrick Street now, which is very quiet, I may tell you, for a a Wednesday morning, it's really, really quiet down on Patrick Street. Every business on that street is struggling already. And they'll still have to pay rates. And it's very hard to get a commitment out of City Hall to do anything about rates. Uh, Councillor Shane O'Callaghan, who's also a a barrister, is going to raise... You're going to raise a motion for a rates freeze, are you, Shane? Good morning. Morning, PJ. How are you doing? How are you getting on? Not too bad. Um, Listen, yeah, the situation is I've already submitted a motion to Cork City Council calling for the immediate introduction of a moratorium on commercial rates for the duration of the the COVID-19 crisis. Uh, particularly, obviously, I mean, obviously, the, the focus is for um, for a moratorium rates for small and medium enterprises. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that a lot of multinationals, obviously, will be weathering the storm, but, I mean, it, it's the small and medium enterprises, particularly in the retail and hospitality sectors, uh, I mean, are, are under enormous pressure at the moment, and that is why I think that they need this no, and, and they needed it with immediate effect. And I actually, we had a special city council meeting on Monday night, and I actually did raise the issue at that meeting with uh, Chief Executive Ann Doherty mm-hmm. as well. And basically her response was that <clears throat> the city council is currently waiting on a national directive from the, from the national government, which she said she hoped would introduce a moratorium or recommend a moratorium on commercial rates in every local authority in the country. 
Um, and, and obviously, that would be something that I would very much welcome um, on a nationwide basis. But I stressed to the chief executive when she said that, that given the urgency of the situation, if that directive is not forthcoming in the next week or so, then Cork City Council should take the lead on the issue and become the first local authority. And, and does it have the right to do that? It does. It does have a right to do that, yeah. And yeah. um, the, 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 the decisions when it comes to commercial rates are a local authority decision. And in fairness, I can understand in a way that they do want a, you know, a national directive on it or want to wait for that. But I mean, I, I think that, you know, obviously the government are, are, are bringing in loads of other um, issues. I mean, they've set aside three billion euro for this crisis. And I mean, they are obviously paying out so much in, in in illness benefits and and for the the amount of people come, becoming unemployed and they're 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 putting in you know they're not charging interest on a late uh, payment of that etc they're and um, they're cancelling all debt enforcement I mean but so I mean obviously the the national government is is taking um, the lead on this in, in many areas but I mean and as I say a national uh, directive would be very much welcome but if it's not coming soon and um, it needs to be done by the city council. The, the, the mean, city manager in Dublin warned that they'll run out of money if there's a rates freeze. Well, I mean, I'm not talking about, um, you know, I, I, what I'm talking about is that it'll only be temporary. I'm not saying, obviously, we should permanently scrap rates altogether. No. All I'm saying is that they should be suspended for small and medium enterprises. Mm. I mean, not for massive multinationals, just for small and medium enterprises until this crisis is overcome. That is all. And look, we all have to play our part to help um, with the, you know, with, with the situation with our struggling economy um, and obviously with the, what is a national health crisis. And I believe that a rates moratorium would be the City Council's way of doing its bit in that regard. All right. We'll see where it goes over the next while. Thank you, uh, Councillor Shane O'Callaghan. From what I understand, the City Chief Executive Anne Doherty has said they're waiting on directions from government, which is fine. But as Shane said, they have every... Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. 
Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Right to move on their own. So effectively, Anne Doherty, our, the chief executive, has a right to, to make a decision on this off her own bat. She doesn't have to wait for an instruction from Dublin, and he, he's hoping that she'll do that. 1850-715-996. The call from a person whose daughter said to her that teenagers are going to spread this virus. Last night in Carrigaline, the guards were out in abundance. There was about 100 teens aged between 14 and 18. Her daughter was raging. There's no, she's no goody-goody. But the amount of house parties that were on was crazy. After Leo's address, they had it all up on Snapchat, hashtagging social distancing. It was a very well-known Cork influencer posting about having a house party. These are people from 18 to 21. The parents must know it's happening. The parents are allowing it, and they know the kids are going to spread the virus. My 18-year-old wouldn't be going to such parties. We have a 22-year-old in my house who loves to socialise and loves to crack, but by goodness, <laughs> she stayed in for most of the weekend. She went to a friend's house the other night, all right, only three of them there. But there was no parties had, and there was nothing. She stayed in last night, broke her heart, staying in on St. Patrick's night, but she stayed in. There was nowhere to go anyway. We're going to have to do this. Marie says there's a lot of people talking about Temple Bar and Costa del Sol and all this crack. I heard on the radio people from Cork being interviewed. Young people, they were saying nothing would stop them from going out drinking. There's a lot of people pulling together. There's a lot of people who aren't. And they need to cop on. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Courts 96 FM. With the solid fuel depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Call and collect or get seven-day delivery for those cozy nights in. SolidFuelDepot.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on the side. Hi, it's Michael and here's your latest on Cork's live scene. Bell X1 returns to Cork in May for three shows coming up at St. Luke's. These 2020 shows will debut new material along with a lot of the favourites over the years spanning a great career in music over 20 years. Access all areas. The Sunny have done recent sold-out tours of Ireland in 2018 and 2019 and are most definitely by sounding as fresh as ever. Tickets for their next Cork show taking place in December have gone on sale now and you'll find them at cypressavenue.ie Access all areas. If you have a gig, event or exhibition coming up in Cork in the next couple of months drop us a line here at Access All Areas. You'll find us on AAA at 96fm.ie and we'll tell Cork all about it. Access all areas. Your guide to nightlife on the side. On Cork's 96FM. Have you ever heard of a thing called butterfly syndrome, or to give it its technical medical name Epidermolysis bullosa. It is a horrible disease. A horrible, 
horrible disease. And it features tonight in that great programme, Big Life Fix, which is on RT1 uh, at half nine or 25 to 10-ish tonight. Features a little girl called Alana Reed. Is it is it Sochan or Sochan, Rachel? Good morning to you. Morning, how are you? Sohan. 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 And 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 she's what? She's three now. She's the four, actually, since February. Yeah. Explain for listeners what this horrible disease does to her. Um basically it means if the collagen seven in her body doesn't produce like it would in a normal person. So that collagen seven would act as a glue between the layers of your skin. Um, so with her, if she gets a bump or a knock or even friction from her clothes or, you know, the most simple touch of her skin will cause those layers then to separate. So it causes blisters or the skin will just tear off. Or, um, so it's horrendously painful for her, you know, and it's, um, you know, something as parents we can never still get yeah. used to seeing and dealing with. But Is it something she was born with, Rachel? She was born with it, yeah. It's a genetic condition, both Greg and I, carry the gene right we had no idea um so there's there's so many different types of eb as well um she would have she has recessive dystrophic eb which is one of the worst types and then within that then there are different subtypes yeah so because of the gene that i carry she produces a little bit of collagen now it's not enough mm-hmm. um but if she if sorry if she had um sorry if we both had greg's type she would be a whole lot worse off. So right. she gets that little bit from me. So, like, Does she have any capacity to heal? She does heal. Um, but, you know, it takes a long time. So yeah. a simple little fall for her would take weeks or months yeah. to heal. Um, when she was born, it was she was missing skin from the top, top of her thigh right down to the bottom of her foot mm-hmm. and her right leg. And that's a constant problem. Now, that doesn't... Well, you know, it gets to the point where it'll heal. It's never healed completely. Um, but we get it to a point and it scratches a lot, um, yeah. especially at night time. Yeah. Um, she does more damage at night than it must, day, must, but must be heartbreaking. I mean, I, I understand from this and little bit of reading I've done about it, like, you, you can't even hug her sometimes. Um, well, we can because we know how to. Yes, <laughs> you yes. Know? Um, but if a person came, just a stranger came up and tried to pick her up and hold her, that will most definitely cause damage. Um, but we learned pretty quickly how to hold our own baby, you know, so um, it can be done carefully. Actually, the more pressure you use, the better, rather than, yeah, it's it's more friction than... I got you. So brushing brushing off her is the problem, or bumping off her is the problem. Now, she's four, she obviously, like any other little girl, wants to get out and play. Absolutely. (laughs) to, to, To whatever extent she's able. But she doesn't have any shoes that that she can wear. So, and that's what this yeah. program's about tonight. Um, well, that and another thing as well. I don't know if we're allowed to talk. About it, but, um, shoes are a major, major problem because you know you can you put shoes on her that you think will um, protect her somewhat. You know, yeah. protect her feet and that. But then they could actually cause more problems too. You know, the backs, especially around the heels, um, if they're sliding in any way they will just tear the skin on her heels right off and then, yeah. you know, you're again then months without being able to wear shoes. So yeah. um, you just have to be very careful. So um, the lovely guys from Big Life 6 tried to help us out there. Um, it was an easy task. I mean, these the guys in putty shoes are well used to making shoes and even they found it difficult, you know. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. There's so many factors to consider, you know, there'd be, obviously it has to be padded so that it doesn't hurt her. Um, but then heat will cause more itch, which will cause more yeah. damage from scratching and that. So, you know, there's a lot, a lot yeah. of thought went into it. And, 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 and um, uh, you'll be working, uh, you have been working with an engineer called Shane Phelan. Uh, I'm reading from the Echo here uh, yes. that, that he's also got somewhere, he's also d- d- trying to work out something that makes it safer for her to sleep in her own room. Yeah. So he's, he did it. <laughs> Good. Why, um, what, what, why is it dangerous for her to sleep in her own room? Not so much that it's dangerous. No, it's because she scratches so much and mostly at night. You know, during the day you can stop her. Um, when someone has to be with her all the time. So at night time, like we're completely exhausted. So we do knock out when we when we can, you know. Yeah. Um, but when she she sleeps in the bedroom beside us, so yes. that we can hear her scratching. All you will hear is just bandages rubbing against each other. Oh God! Yeah. So you know we have to be on the ball. You know, I say we sleep with one eye open. Like it's it's constant. You know, it could be fifteen, twenty times a night that she'll wake you. Um. You know, sometimes she's in pain more often with scratching. So um, we couldn't then put her in the room next door that we wouldn't be able to hear her scratching because, you know, simple scratch will be her months of pain for her. So we try to take turns or we try to, you know, whatever way we could work out. <laughs> but, you know, life doesn't allow that always. So. Okay, well... Um, so Shane came up with this plan. It's like the, the mother of all baby monitors <laughs> um, he put microphones in her room that are I think the microphones are made of gold if I'm if I'm right <laughs> um, are there gold particles in it so they're not made of gold <laughs> mm. um, but the, the sound is so sensitive and high tech that we can now have Alana in her own bedroom and we can hear her next door as if she's right beside us wow. so um, just gives you that confidence you know that she can be left alone for you know gives her that independence then as well you know she's yeah. getting um, big and doesn't want to be hanging out course. with her mom and dad all the time you know so yeah and yeah. I mean like God four year olds they're active and they're funny and they want to do all those little you know play and have parties and have friends and be little princesses <laughs> I guess <laughs> that's hard for her how does she deal with it herself um I guess really no any different, you know, we have to kind of keep her apart from people, not keep her apart, but we do have to be very mindful and everyone needs to know mm. what you can and can't do with Alana, you know, a simple grab of a toy or you know, someone bumping off or knocking her over, like that's, it's a significant wound then, you know, so Does it upset um, her that she has to have all this bandaging and all this pain and... She knows no different, I think. She knows no different. Yeah, and she seems to not be in pain all the time now, like fresh wounds and stuff will hurt her. But mm. when we're changing bandages and we're popping blisters and she just, she deals with it so well, you know, she's incredible really. Popping blisters? Yeah, we have to pop the blisters with needles because they're they're not self-limiting. So it means oh, uh, until we get them, they will just keep growing and growing and growing, you know, especially under the bandages where we won't see them for... Oh dear. You know, it could be a day, two days before you'd notice. Oh dear, that's awful. Um, so she's at an age now, though, where she knows yeah. that she can tell you. So if she, they knocks her toe off the couch, which she does regularly. Um, you know, she'll say, first it hurts somewhere, look, okay, is it sore? 
is it a new blister or is it itchy sore or you know and she's able to tell you that Good. so that's that's huge and if she asks can we change bandages today you get up and you change bandages immediately because you know it's serious you know so is there any medicine that she can take or is there any research being done into medicine that she can take um well she's on all the medications for pain and that but um and the itch and stuff there's so much research going on around the world for um, well, for a cure, ultimately, but um, for different types of creams that would help or different, you know, things that can be done. Right. Um, but as of yet, there's, they're not quite there. There's trials going on, there's everything, but, you know, these things take years okay. <laughs> and lots and lots of money. So, um, well, I'll get there. I'm confident I'll get there. Yeah, yeah, and I suppose it, it's hard, it's hard as a, as a parent looking at this. Yeah. Absolutely, it's heartbreaking. It really is. And do you ever? And I, I'm going to ask this question as kindly as I can. Do you ever sit with each other, yourself and Greg, and 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 say, "Jesus, this came, this mm-hmm. came from inside us." Mm. Do you? Yeah, yeah. Just the, how do we not know why this happened to us? You know, you go through every sort of emotion. You know, yeah. Yeah. guilt. And guilt who, and who looks after you? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we just get on with it. We have no choice and we can't, we don't have time to slow down. You know, you just, you yeah. keep going and you don't want to show her that just, you're upset or, you know, or angry or whatever it is, you know. Yeah. And yeah. just deal with us and yeah. talk to friends and family and just, you know. Yeah, as best you can, as best okay. you can. All right, yeah. we'll be watching it tonight and the best Brilliant. of luck to you and the rest of the family. Uh, that's that's Rachel, Rachel Reed, and that program is on tonight. Big Life Fix, uh, Wednesday, 9.35, tonight, 9.35 on RTE1. Take a break from all the coronavirus stuff and have a look at it. Or, you know what, just take a break and look at anything for an hour. I think, to be fair to Leo, he even put that into the speech last night. You know, take a break of this from this every so often and, and watch something else or do something else 1850 996 it's impossible for us because it's dominating all the calls are about what do you do in this situation what do you do in that situation that'll calm down too in a while and we'll be back to as close to a regular program as we can possibly provide in, in the middle of a, of a situation like this in fact Suzanne says she's hoping that we can continue to keep the show on the air. Oh, we're making absolutely certain that we'll be able to keep the show on the air. At the moment, Broadcasting House is is virus-free and we're working really hard to make sure it stays that way. And all of our homes are healthy and virus-free. So until such time as that changes, we'll be we'll stick with it. But we are already, you might have seen my little video that I put up yesterday and we put it up on the Opinion Line Twitter as well. I've got Studio 2 in a bit set up and preparing to go at home in case I have to. In case I have to. But if not, we'll be here every day. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the solid fuel depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Focus coal, turf, gas and kiln dried wood. Open late, seven days. Solidfueldepot.ie. Cork's 96FM's Hit Mix. Our new stream playing fresh hits all the time. Non-stop music, now streaming. Hi, I'm Demi. Listen on our app or click 96fm.ie. 
This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Yeah, this is coming up over the weekend. Some publicans were putting up on their Twitter the colossal money that they pay Sky Sports. Now, Sky Sports have turned to their business customers over the weekend and said that they won't be charging them for the sports while the pubs are closed and while the sports are off. What was worrying as well is, you know, you pay Sky Sports in your home subscription and it's very expensive. Sky have just been on to reassure customers, they've tweeted this, if you wish to pause your sports subscription until all live sports resume, you will not be held to any notice period. And if you get it from Now TV, make sure to go in and cancel the pass. I was nearly haunted. I mean, there, there's an offer on Now TV at the moment for something like six months. And I almost took it. And then I said, no, I'll hold off. And I'm glad I did. 1850-715-996. Now, D is with me in studio. We're getting all sorts of calls and all sorts of queries. All kinds of everything, PJ, today. And people obviously very, very concerned. Um, people calling, asking, could they ring the HSE about different things? Just to confirm that the number you gave out earlier for the HSE is for what is the number to ring if you think you have uh, COVID, I think, isn't it? Mm, not a general query line. It's not a general query. There's a lot of information on it, but if you want information on, on whether you might have it or where to go, it's 1850-24-1850. Yeah, so we've had calls from people who um, kind of don't know where to go with different concerns. So one person called who's um, the source of income in their house is right up because their partner is self-employed um, and they were concerned that they can't pay their local authority rent. They've gone from pillar to post trying to get sorted with that. Um, so we advise them that obviously there is a social welfare payment available to people in that situation. It's not the illness benefit. They no. thought it was the new illness benefit. That new illness benefit only applies if you have been confirmed to have COVID-19 which isn't very many people at this point. Or if you've been sent into isolation. Or if you've been sent into self-isolation. On it, yeah, if you've, sorry, if yeah. you've confirmed to have it or if you've been a confirmed contact yeah. of a confirmed case. So that is that that illness benefit doesn't apply as far as I know if you're just self-isolating, say if you have an underlying condition or whatever. Um, it doesn't actually apply yeah. unless you, you have or have been in contact with a confirmed I, case. I think I asked Minister Doherty about that on Friday when she was on. If your doctor certs you out of yeah. work because you may have a case or may have been in contact. Once you have a doctor's cert, it yeah. kicks in for you. So yeah. that doesn't apply. That new um, sick pay rate does not apply to you if you are self-employed or if you've been laid off and your work is right up. Um, you're the dole basically there's a new coronavirus dole payment mm. um, which is basically the dole um, which is for people in that situation there is a form available for that on the social welfare website um, lady who called said she's not online and quite a number of our callers Peter today are not online um, so the only option for those people is either to get somebody who is online to print it for you I would suggest that's probably the quickest way mm-hmm. um, so get a friend or a family member or a neighbour um, or some local shops offer printing facilities get somebody in your neighbourhood to print it for you and drop it into your house I would say is, is the best option um, I advise that lady to contact a, t- a local TD and I did contact the t- TD for her um, because her concern was A that they haven't been able to get this payment yet she's gone to the Entreo office and the queues are at the door and she, she actually just couldn't get seen and she's not online so she didn't know where to go next her next issue was that um, she's afraid that they won't be able to pay their rent because they haven't got this payment so they've nothing coming in at the moment um, and City Hall told her they can't give her a rent freeze or they can't offer her any relief on her rent 
until she has that form from the social welfare. Now I've emailed City Hall to get some clarity on their position on housing and rent payments at this time. Mm. Um, people saying to us on the phone page that the banks have frozen mortgages for three months. As far as I know that's not correct. They no. haven't done anything yet. There's a meeting that the, the, the chief executives of the five main banks are to meet Pascal Dunne I believe at three o'clock this afternoon. Yeah so and, there's no a, some kind of a plan together. Yeah there's no moratorium yet no. on mortgage payments either so um, just bear that in mind um, if, if you're kind of if you're affected by that 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 hasn't happened yet we're no. hoping it will happen today but it hasn't happened yet um, so we have contacted the city council for their position on rents going into the next couple of months and what will happen if people are unable to pay their rent um, also um, a dad was on to us I think you read out his email that he sent in I've been back and forth with him a little bit just about the position of the CUMH um, I'll, I'll, I, I can fill you in anyway basically his wife had a baby um, over the last couple of days and he sorry yesterday I think when he left the hospital yesterday after the baby was born all in good health thankfully um, he was told by the midwives that he would be allowed back in to visit her today he went back this morning along with six or seven other dads he was left standing outside the door they weren't allowed back in mm-hmm. so um, a new policy has come into CUMH this morning Wednesday 18th of March um, in relation to visiting restrictions women admitted for induction of labour or in labour can have one nominated visitor for all other inpatients including antenatal inpatients and postnatal inpatients no visitors so if your daughter or your um, sister or whoever has had a baby you are not allowed into the COMH to see them um, for patients in the NICU only one parent so if your baby is in the ICU in the NEO um, only one parent can be with them and for outpatients only the women attending the appointment no partners children or companions can be with them it's That's, hard but it's necessary yeah and I mean the children rule is always there um, for outpatients um, a lot of people don't necessarily go by it but th- that is a rule that's generally enforced this is in line with all maternity hospitals in the mm. state um, equally, patients who suspect that they may have COVID symptoms should contact their GP or the public health phone number on um, or the COVID care line on 18524185. Oh, that's the one you've already read out. Um, if you have symptoms and are well, you do not need hospital admission and you should be tested to the community. All patients and visitors who enter COMH will be assessed for possible COVID-19 infection because um, obviously there have not been... Um, this 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 uh, virus has not been around long enough for them to be aware of the impact right. on pregnancy. What am I am I to interpret that to say they're te- they're testing people as a matter of course? When they I think they're the assessing babies. them. So basically, if you okay. come in and you have a cough, okay. um, you will be assessed for it. Now we've been hearing various rumours about what's happening internally there, but I can't confirm any of them. Um, somebody had suggested to us that there was a ward being set up in their form potentially for women, uh, pregnant women with COVID. I can't, haven't been able to confirm that. I don't know if that is the case. They have actually got a special number as well uh, at the reception desk at COMH. I read this out earlier on. Not too sure if you did it there. Mm -hmm. Uh, 021 4920500. If you have any questions for them before you even go near the hospital or anything like that. Yeah, so and again, I suppose the same as every other public health advice, if you have symptoms, don't go to a hospital um, call the, the public health line. Another query we had, Peter, this morning was a lady who suffers from diabetes. She's elderly and she has quite serious diabetes. Um, she was asking about getting her shopping arranged. Um, and you know, I think a lot of the elderly people who are contacting us are contacting us because they don't know what to do because they don't want to be asking people yeah. for help. Will you please just ask people for help? Um, if you have a, a grown-up child or anybody who can do your shopping for you, get them to do it and drop it at the door if you are concerned. Okay, we just need to be careful and mind each other over the next few weeks. Thanks, Steve. 
The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Courts 96 FM. 1857-15996 is the number. The text and WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Your email is opinion at 96fm.ie. The crew from Supervalue Mayfield have been in touch. Uh, we've been updating social media, they say, all week. We note that a lot of people don't engage in social media, especially the most vulnerable groups. We just mentioned that we have a free delivery service from Supervalue Mayfield as we are aware that most people would rather stay at home rather than venture outside. This will continue indefinitely. Stay calm, stay safe. The number is 0214861560. 0214861560. Or you can email Murray Mayfield at supervalue.ie. Murray Mayfield at supervalue.ie. And that's from Ken Murray. Thank you, Ken for that. Lots of shops. I was in a couple of places yesterday. Just went out for a spin around for St. Patrick's Day. I was down in, of all places, Healy Ray country in Kilgarvan and we stopped in. They have a, a big garage there in the middle of Kilgarvan and there's a, it's huge and they have a deli and the deli was open but they've got all these social distancing stickers on the floor now and tape as to where you stand and where you don't stand and then I was coming back last night and I wanted to grab one or two bits and pieces in Phelan's Pharmacy out there by uh, the, the kids still road roundabout and they're very strict now about going in you have to sanitize your hands you have to stand six feet apart there were uh, tapes and barriers up so you don't have to get too close to the counter it's, it's all very it's a bit eerie but this is what we're going to have to get used to for the foreseeable and who knows it might get worse it probably will get worse it probably will have to tighten up even further so I guess if we behave ourselves at this level We'll be more prepared for the next level if or when it comes. Finn was saying about penny dinners, they're making hampers there round the clock and can be dropped off to the elderly and vulnerable if needs be. Good. Loads of people getting together to help each other, to do a bit of shopping, to deliver something, to collect something, to collect a prescription, drop it home to you if you're staying in out of it because you're in a vulnerable group. Uh, Deirdre Gannon, uh, morning to you. Hiya. Hiya. The Cork Volunteer Shoppers for the Vulnerable is really has gathered pace over the weekend. It has actually, yeah. So we currently have 144 members. Um, so we've plenty of people willing to help. Our main thing at the moment now is getting the word out there. So uh, with our volunteers now today, we're just kind of coordinating, getting the flyers out um, around our areas and everything. And that's why I got in contact with you guys just to, you know, get the word out there that the service is there if people should need it. Yeah, yeah, and it's kind of regionalised as well. So you have loads of volunteers in loads of different areas. It's it's the mm-hmm. Glenmire and City that is your focus, is it? Yeah, Glenmire and City. We have a few in Blackpool. We're kind of focusing on Toker, you know, the Magazine Road area, the Lee Road, and the Maradike for the moment. That's because we're that's where most of our volunteers are based anyway. Um, and so yeah. So if someone wants to contact you, get some shopping done, shopping delivered, what can they do? So what they would do is they would text their address and their shopping list to um, a phone number here. That would be 083-48-20476. Okay. And what would happen then is that it, that belongs to one of the other coordinators. So she would get the text. She would then ask. We have a Facebook group to coordinate our volunteers, you see. So okay. she would then ask, "Is hey, is there anybody in the Blackpool area at the moment? And then that person will let her know that they're available. 
he'd tell them the shopping list and the address and then they would get the shop done and deliver it. And deliver it. And can can people access the Facebook page? Is it private or is it... I know it's actually, it's public. So if anybody listening does want to volunteer, uh, the uh, page on Facebook is public and it's just the Cork Volunteer Shoppers for the Vulnerable. Um, and feel free to join in if you'd like. Um, at the moment now, again, our focus is just getting the word out there because, you know, not every... People who would need the service don't use social media yes um that's our main challenge at the minute because we just don't know where the vulnerable are and Shilok, we don't know who they are either um so at the moment now our main focus for the last three or four days now has been just to get the word out there we're trying to get in contact with the newspapers the radio stations like yourselves you know um yeah Okay, well, we got the message out there now. It's Cork Volunteer Shoppers for the Vulnerable. That's on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Deirdre, thanks. And I'll read out that number again, the text number uh, to contact them, and a volunteer will come back to you. 083-482-0476. Cork Volunteer Shoppers for the Vulnerable. Uh, Deirdre again, and thank you, and good luck. Uh, great coming together of people to help one another. Finbar says, can we mention Meals on Wheels? They're continuing as normal. They're great volunteers. The Farinry Community Association, four days a week, they do 58 houses. Yeah, and lots of people are volunteering to drive and volunteering to deliver and collect. People who have had to close their own businesses are saying, well, can I give something back? Can I help while I'm off? And that's great to see. Now, uh, we were talking at the end of last week about cruise liners. There was one came in Friday, and it was it Friday or Monday? I'm losing track of time at this stage. It went to Ring a Skiddy instead of to Cove, and then people were very upset about buses coming off it and buses going back onto it. Then there's another one due in, I think, today or tomorrow. And uh, Sinn Féin TD Thomas Gould has called for all of the cruise liners to be stopped coming in for the duration of the crisis or or at least for cruise ship passengers not to be allowed to disembark. Thomas, good morning. Good morning, TJ. Thomas, last week we were over and back with the port and they were issuing statements to us and I'm I'm sure to other media too, but they're issuing statements to the effect that they're following all sorts of international protocols and they believe it's safe to allow the cruise liners to dock. You think not? No, PJ, at this stage, no. We know where we are as a country. And to allow thousands of people uh, on these cruise ships to dock and cove and for them to go around Cork. Um, t- to be honest, we've gone past that stage. I think the government needs to move urgently and say until such time as this crisis is over, no more cruise ships should be allowed to into Cork. Like, we're asking people to do social distancing, and then you can have hundreds of people uh, come off the, of these cruise ships in Cove and go right around the city and county. Mm. To me, it, it just doesn't make sense. Like, we're, we're, not, we're not looking for anything extraordinary here, PJ. What we're looking for, like, we see what's happened around the world with these cruise ships. When one of these cruise ships get a case of the coronavirus, it spreads rapidly from mm. the ship. Mm. Why would we allow or take a risk? So what I'm saying is common sense will prevail. As far as I know, there's a cruise ship due to dock and cove next Monday. I think the, the, the authorities should contact uh, the ferry company or the cruise liner company and say, listen, uh, Ireland is not open for cruise ships to dock. 
if they need provisions or if they need, if there are people who want to come off, well, then they should be facilitated. But I think we should let people know early. And to be honest with you, none of these tools should even be in operation. Well, at least two of the major companies, I think Celebrity is one of them, I think they have cancelled everything for a month and they're just docking at the nearest available port and, and offloading. Um, but mind you, I was talking to a woman, is it Bernie is her name, from, from Carrigaline. She's stuck off the port of Santiago in Chile for the last three or four days. They just can't even dock. So this is a crisis all over the, over the world. But you reckon that if you need supplies, you need fuel, we'll, we'll help you out that way. But otherwise, stay away. And yeah, like what we're talking, there's a balanced approach here. Like, at the end of the day, there are people, and we want to treat them with the respect that we'd like to see our, our own Irish people treated with. But, like, why would we be taking a risk at this stage? Like, you see these cruise liners, there are thousands of people on board them. And if they get an opportunity to come off and get into buses and walk around the city and the county, I think we're taking a terrible risk. Okay. And I think this, this is not a big decision, PJ. This is something the government should move on. Like, they should have moved on it last week. And my worry is that we could be here next Monday now and a massive cruise liner down in Cove mm. and people will be very concerned. And I think it, it, it's not just for Cove, this is for the whole of the county and it should be nationally. Okay. These should be stopped. OK, OK, leave it there. Uh, Sinn Féin, TD, Thomas Gould. Again, Port of Cork issued us with a couple of statements last week. Um, they, they say that they're adhering to all sorts of different international standards and they're doing their best to keep it all safe. But people, look, we've had three, is it three? Three and two anyway. Serious coronavirus incidents on board cruise liners around the world. So we just need to be very, very careful with this. Uh, Frankie, yeah, I've been watching his messages. Frankie's trying to, you're trying to get home from where, Frankie? Good morning. Hi, how are you? I've been two days trying to get out from uh, Portugal to get back to Ireland, and uh, it's been an absolute nightmare. So it has. Are you based in Portugal? I am. I work for a radio station in the yeah. Outskirts. I even work there. Yeah, and and you're trying to get home, obviously. Yeah, I got a. I had a, a flight book just in case. Um, bad in Portugal because uh, you could see in, uh, day by day gradually things were starting to get worse so I booked a flight just in case mm. uh, just to be secure that I'd have a flight to my own country that they'd probably let me go and the morning before the flight uh, I got an email from Skyscanner to say I had to be honest because there would be any alternative arrangements in place like so I met Lisbon which was a disaster because uh, the, the public uh, transport is very, very good in Portugal, but um, the police were actually stopping buses, getting people off, because there were too many people on the buses. Right. So you'd have to wait at the, in a small village for two or three hours for the next bus to come. And then we got to the airport, uh, uh, settled in in the airport, and midnight last night, the airport was evacuated, and everybody was taken out of it by the police. Wow. It's the cold and the rain, and we were there for four hours before we were allowed back in. Crikey. What were they doing? Uh, Deep cleaning the airport or something? They were saying it was to do with social uh, distancing, but it right. didn't make sense because everybody was outside in the cold and rain together, huddled. So. Yeah. yeah. So, where are you right now? Sitting in a beautiful Aer Lingus plane filled with 18 people waiting to come back home. Are you, are you, on, the, are you on the plane? I was listening on the plane here. We haven't taken off yet. For, right. Uh, and there's only 18 people on it. And, and are you all distance people. out, yeah? 
Okay, okay. What has Portugal been like? Because we've been hearing so much about Spain. What's Portugal Portugal been like in the last couple of days? Um, I'm actually shocked when I look at the news back in Ireland and I see what's going on there and I see what's happening in Portugal is more severe. I mean, I was doing, um, I DJ as well over there at night time. And uh, five past nine, uh, three nights ago, if you look at my Twitter feed there, you'll see the video. Uh, the police came in to every single bar uh, in the Algarve at five past nine or ten past nine and shut it down there and then and give everybody four minutes to get out. Wow. And it was zero tolerance and you were going to get arrested if you were there after four minutes. And as in from today, uh, the bars are all closed. Right. So it's like a ghost town in the Algarve. And what about the shops and stuff? Um, there was a spa shop again. The Twitter feed is great. Um, and it would have been my local shop. It would have been a spa shop. And it would have been owned by a, Ch- a Chinese family. And uh, it closed three days ago and was barricaded up literally overnight. And that made things awkward for us then. Because you'd have a trek to get to the bigger supermarket. Okay. So bit by bit, it was start- everything was starting to close down. When you get home now, will you have to quarantine? Yeah, I was told two weeks. Yeah. Are you all set up for that? No, I'm not. I was going to go and see my family, but um, my mother would have uh, diabetes. Right. So obviously she'd be high risk. Yeah. yeah. So um, alternative arrangements we made with friends, but at the end of the day, you're back on home soil. So, okay. you know, it doesn't really matter. What yeah. will be, will be. Okay. All right. Listen, safe journey home and stay safe and hope you're not bringing that nasty with you. We have enough of it here. Enough of it there, yeah. <laughs> Mind yourself, Frankie. Thank you. Thanks. You'll find him on uh, Twitter, actually. Frankie Beats. Frankie, K-I-E, uh, Beats, B-A-T-S. You'll find him. Um, he's radio and disco club DJ in, in Portugal. He's originally from Cork. 1850-71599 says, Carlos says you should be questioning the flights coming into Ireland at all. We have four coming to Cork Airport from England alone today. It's rampant there. How can we get rid of anything here with flights still coming in? Well, isn't that what... And um, the Thonister was on with me here for nearly half an hour here on Monday. Isn't that what they're trying to do? They're trying to get everybody home now as quickly as possible from wherever they happen to be, get them home and try and... If we are faced into lockdown, at least everybody will be home and safe rather than stranded in the four corners of the world. Yeah, he's just put up a video here. Now, there's a video of a pub. Yeah, we'd, I think we've, we've shared that, lads. We might have shared that. They emptied the pubs in Portugal in four hours the other night. They just get in, moved in, get out, four minutes. Collar and Cove says the boat or the ship that's due is the Marco Polo. It's due in the 23rd, which is Monday. And it's been in quarantine in Malta. It's due three or four times over the next month or so. 1850-71596. On the social distancing, some places doing it really well. Some places not doing it at all. Caller went for a spin to Kinsale yesterday. They didn't get out of the car. But there was people standing in a huge queue, practically on top of each other, going into a restaurant, and a big queue for a food van as well. Nobody was observing social distancing. It was an absolute Disgrace. 1850-715-996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the solid fuel depot of Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Open seven days for smokeless coal, turf, kiln-dried wood and gas. Solidfueldepot.ie Okay, here we go. If you're a finalist, you need to be right on top of your phone. 
Congratulations, you're going you. to California oh, on, the most, on the most incredible trip of your life. Oh my god, I oh. actually feel like you're joking. Like. I know, for all the doom and gloom and panic out there, something nice oh. has happened to someone nice. Thank you so much. Congratulations to our winners. Stay listening for the next big giveaway. Coming soon. Coming soon. To Cork's 96FM. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 96 96. On Cork's 96 FM. Caller says the flight to Lourdes the last Saturday in May still going ahead. People are still booking for another flight in June via the Waterford Diocese. Can this be right? I don't know, is the answer. There is an app. Sure, isn't there an app for everything these days? There's an app for that. It's called Travelwise, and you'll find it on either one of the app stores. It's the Department of Foreign Affairs has a Travelwise app. You'll know, you'll know it's the right one because it's got kind of a little luggage label with TW on it. It's green as its logo, and it's got a full list of the places that you should travel and the places that you shouldn't travel at the moment. Pretty much everywhere I can see here. In fact, every country in it at the moment has avoid non-essential travel. And you can look up the country you want to travel to and you'll get whether it's safe or not to go. But at the moment, you're being told go nowhere for at least the next 30 days. But that app is very, very useful to you. Now, uh, Liam Sheehan, uh, magician to the stars, was in Spain for the last few weeks, but you've got home, Liam. Good morning to you. Good morning, PJ. You've been out there yeah, for a while. I have, yeah. I got home last night on a Neuralingus flight. Okay, okay. Were you anxious to get back, Liam? Well, I was, PJ, to be honest with you, um, because you could see it actually escalating quite a lot where where, where I was, you know. Mm. Um, I, I was in a place kind of about an hour and 20 minutes south of Malaga. Right. And it's would be a very uh, local fisherman type of um, of town. And, but you could see within a few days how, how it escalated and how the police kind of came on board and how they patrolled the streets and how they started disinfecting the streets and that, all very, very quick. Describe so, lockdown uh, to me, Solim. Well, lockdown in Spain is um, basically they're telling you they, they come around in, in the uh, police cars and in the health cars at night and they tell, tell you just that you must stay and you must stay in, indoors and you can't come out. Um, they also patrol the streets by day. So, like, if you're on the promenade, if you're on the beach or whatever, they give you a right bollocking, to be honest with you. Mm. Uh, you know, the police in Spain don't take any prisoners and for can anything. can you not just wander down? I mean, social distancing, can you not wander down on your own for a, a dip in the sea or a walk on the beach? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's not a sinner to be seen on the beach. The only thing that you can do is that you can go to the local shop uh, you must carry your passport or identification. Uh, the chances is, uh, are that they will stop you. They will ask you where you're going. They will probably take your name. And they, they kind of monitor that, you know. So you can go to the shop and the chemist. You now, when you get to the chemist or you get to the shop, there's a sign saying there's one person in. So you wait outside the door until you're served in the chemist. They're all wearing masks inside there. You can only go a certain distance to the, the counter. 
and get your thing and you, you basically will obey the law and you'll go back to your, your apartment or your house or whatever and people are abiding by it so absolutely it's it's very obvious you that's, see no that's eerie it. isn't it that's very eerie it's absolutely eerie it's completely eerie you know and like even like it's strange because <clears throat> like the place as you know because you've been to Spain quite a lot the, the place is normally bustling or the, you know people are sitting outside and I'm in a very local town and people, it's its like Ireland 50 years ago, PJ, everybody sits outside their houses at mm. night time. Everybody sits out during the day, the chairs come out and everybody's chatting. That's all stopped. And if the police drive by, they'll tell you to go back into your house as such. Wow. Yeah. So, um, it's no, it mightn't be the same all over, but where mm. I was, it was because they're trying to keep it out of that. It's a very old, like there's a lot of elderly people in yeah. Sabanese, where I live. But um, so they're very restrictive on it. You have the Guardia Civil who are monitoring. They're up and down the promenade, and you have the local police. Um, and then you have all the announcements at night to, to stay in, you know what I mean? So, But people are really are abide, uh, abiding the law, you know, obeying the law there. And have they any idea how long this will last? The, like, the talk, PJ, from what I heard over, they're talking, like, well into the end of the year, you know. Well into lockdown, the, end. the lockdown situation. Yeah, the lockdown situation. They're like it, it. You can see them now. They're you know coming out, spraying the streets and um, you know spraying everything like they did in China. You know they they seem to have acted very quick there. They must be terrified for their tourist season, or are they abandoning it already? Oh, I'd say it's abandoned. It's completely abandoned. It's completely abandoned. There's no hotels. All the hotels now are, are closed. And I actually met, actually, PJ, at the, I came to Malaga Airport last night and it was the most eerie feeling that you would ever, ever see. I actually had some video and I took some video of the airport. There was nobody outside the arrivals area, um, nobody in the arrivals area inside the airport. It's completely, it's, it's the most frightening thing that you can see, that there's nobody around. But what was so annoying for me was that um, I heard all this about, you know, and I was worried about getting out because I wasn't sure about my flight out of Spain um, because I couldn't get information. And then I thought that the flight was going and I heard all this about mercy missions coming out of Spain. But what was ironic is when I got on the Aer Lingus flight last night, there was lots and lots and lots of room on that plane. Mm-hmm. And I reckon that the reason was is that the price coming back from Spain last night was horrendous if you had to book a single flight. Do you mind me asking what you had to pay last night? I, I didn't. I actually had a flight pre-book for that date anyway. Okay. So it wasn't. But I heard somebody. I heard somebody saying himself and his wife it was nearly a thousand euros. Wow. Wow. I, you know, I can't be sure about that, but that's what I heard. Okay. All right. So have <coughs> you got to go quarantine now, Liam? I'm quarantine now for uh, three weeks. Yeah. Right. So what will that entail? You just to go to stay at home? Is that it? Stay at home and. Staying, are you staying on your own, or what are you doing? No, I'm, I'm no, I'm actually in a house, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there. I, you know, I just have to suck it up and learn a few more magic tricks, I think, and that'll keep me going for a few weeks. I was just going to say but, it. All right, listen, stay safe, my friend, and we'll talk to you soon. Yeah, it's different here, PJ. It's probably a lot easier to quarantine yourself in Spain because the weather is better, obviously, in that. But, you know, you just have to get on with it. All right, so, all good. Take care. We'll talk, right, so, we'll, we'll talk soon yeah, at yeah. six feet apart. Good luck. Okay, yeah, See you, Liam. Yeah, Thanks bye. very much. That's Liam Sheehan, 1850-715-996. Excellent description of what it's like. Like, you go to the shop and a policeman stops you, wants to know where you're going. Like, I would have thought, okay, you go for a walk. Like, we've been told here we can still go for a walk on our own.
you'd have thought the most natural thing to do in, 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 the, in Spain is walk down on the beach and maybe even a fast dip in the sea. But no, it's, it's don't and carry in your passport. That is eerie. We just had a message talking earlier on about the um, Big Life Fix programme tonight featuring uh, little, little Alana and, and we're talking to her mom Rachel. That has been moved. It was to be on at 9.35 tonight. It's been moved uh, for a primetime special. So 10.05 is the time tonight. 10.05 for Big Life Fix. Uh, we after prime time. They got a prime time special time. So we we'll get used to that too. Stop being moved around on the telly. Reliably informed. And we are double checking everything we can before we put it to where, before we give you anything on air here, we're double checking. Uh, reliably informed now 10 people at Cork Prison have now been tested for COVID 19. That's kind of scary. 1850 715. 996. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96 FM. With the Solid Fuel Depot at Drew's Filling Station, Turner's Cross. Great deals on all solid fuels with seven day delivery. SolidFuelDepot.ie. Turn up the beat and drop that noise. Cork's 96 FM's hit mix online. Turn it up right now. Our new streaming platform playing the freshest hits all the time. Woo. Hi, I'm Demi. Listen on our app or click 96FM.ie. This is Cork's Gold Imro Award-winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now, 1850-715-996. On Cork's 96FM. Could we repeat the number we called out for Super Value in Mayfield? Let me root that out. Yes, it is 021-486-1560. 021-486-1560. That's for Soup Value in Mayfield, which is doing free deliveries uh, for the duration of this. We've had a call as well from a supermarket worker. Can people please come into the supermarkets individually? It means less people in the store and it makes the queue easier to manage and most importantly, it means the workers have less exposure to risk. Also, please don't be messing around with change, counting out pennies. We don't mind cash. It's people counting out change is the problem. Unless you're really broke, and I mean really broke, please save your change for after the crisis. And can you please pack your shopping away from the counter? Take it away in the basket to the packing area. That, again, minimizes staff exposure. If it's one of the supermarkets that hasn't yet put in lines to stand in, please use your common sense and stand a good distance away from the cashier. We're under a lot of pressure from both our customers and our own families who are worried that we will get infected. So people in supermarkets are trying to make sure you can get your food. They're trying to make sure you can get all your products. They're trying to make sure you can get your jacks roll. Just have a thought for them as well because they have families they have loved ones and they don't want to take it home either 1850 715 996 now um, Harry you, you want to help out as well do you good morning good morning hi what do you want you, you want to help I do okay. if I could I will okay you, you were in, interested in the feed the heroes there was a GoFundMe and that kind of thing so what is it you want to do 
Uh, well, I have two businesses. Uh, I manage two businesses. One is Istanbul Restaurant on the Planker Street. Okay. And the other one is Pisa, Pisa Mori in College Road. Okay. Okay. Uh, so um, what we're trying to organize to help uh, hospitals, nurses, at, as they are in, in the front line and they're really under pressure with a lot of work and um, the risk of getting the virus as well. Okay. And Eldri, uh, Eldri is the one that we consider as well to deliver uh, free food for them. Okay. But we are just in the beginning of how to organize that and how we know that the phone call we received is from an elderly, from an elderly person. Or okay. we, we are just in the, in the beginning how to do it. Yeah, yeah. So you want to but we will do offer the, your help and you're just looking for someone to help you organize it well i think we've put you in touch off here with with penny dinners and we'll figure all that out but uh, again that that's very decent and kind of you harry well i think today is everybody should do something like the, the way that the way that people uh, going in, in in one direction is all panic it's all um you know, as you, as you look at the, all the supermarkets, people are queuing, you know, the, the, the story about that everything, the stock, tissue paper, people are storing too much food, they're thinking of farming and all that. I want to uh, go a different direction. You know, I want to push the waves back. Look, there are people there. We can help each other. We can fund for each other. This is a, this is a, a kind of a national issue. We all should be showing today in that dark days if you like okay. uh, to say that which it seems to be like that anyway it does it does and doesn't it? it's not just national it's international it's global howard thank you very much uh, he has pizza more and he has istanbul kebab and he wants to help he wants to give free food out to vulnerable groups and all that kind of thing so we're going to put him in touch with people off the air help with the logistics uh, thank you all right now more contact from spain susan's on whatsapp She's in Spain. Only one person can travel in a car, can walk the dog or go shopping. Only two people, two people can only go together if it's for the hospital or for the airport. If you have to have gloves and disinfectant wipes whenever you're out. No visitors or visiting allowed anywhere unless absolutely necessary to care for the sick. Police are now starting to fine people up to 800 euro for non-compliance or arrest them on the spot. So things are very serious. However, there are some that think this isn't so bad. And it won't touch them. Uh, but then there's this newspaper. It's been going around all weekend and it is genuine. This newspaper from Bergamo in Italy. We've been in touch with Bergamo a couple of times. Uh, in a couple of weeks, they went from 1.5 pages of death notices to 10 pages of death notices. This is, this is as serious as it gets. Mick says, telephone providers for people who are on restricted incomes, if there's any provision for people to have bills waived or credit extended when people are calling out numbers and PJ is guilty as well, they're too fast. Thinks Pascal Donahue should address this. Well, I'm trying to repeat them a couple of times, Mick, and as slowly as I possibly can, but I'll bear that in mind. Thanks for the advice. I will read them out more slowly. I'll be wary of that. Total change of topic. I read a beautiful book uh, a couple of weekends ago a fictional book based on a very true story that has dogged us in this country for many a long day 
It's about the mother and baby homes of Ireland. It's a book called The Paper Bracelets. And I'll be talking to the author, Rachel English, next. 1850 7159 the Takeover with Douglas Court Shopping Centre, celebrating 30 years at the heart of the community. You pick what we play. See our song list on 96FM Insta Stories. This is Court's Gold Imro Award winning talk show. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 0833 969696 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 96 you don't be lonely with us because you're so cheerly and wonderful. Thank you so much for that. You're very kind. Can I also say something? And I know some people might scoff into their tea when I say what I'm going to say, but I've been asked to say it for what it's worth. Uh, a lady called Joan, a very, very close friend of my mom, asked me to say this to you. If it's something that you do, please don't forget the power of prayer. That's all she said, and she said, look, say it to your listeners, and let them take it for what it's worth. Rachel English, good morning to you, and welcome to the Opinion Line. Good morning, and thank you very much. Good to be with you. Delighted to read your book. I was, as someone who's been a kind of an activist on this issue for the bones of 20 years, I was nervous picking up a fictional book because I said, if they get this stuff wrong, it won't last three chapters with me. I thoroughly enjoyed the book. It's superbly written and superbly put together. Congratulations on it. Oh, thank you. Um, it's, it's about... Explain for, for, for listeners what, what the premise of the book is. Well, the premise of the book is a woman called Katie, Katie Carroll, who lives in Dublin. And Katie's approaching 70, and her husband has just died, and she's very much at a loose end. And... 50 years before, almost 50 years before, she had worked in a mother and baby home, a fictional place in the west of Ireland called Carrick Brack. I situated it in my own home county, County Clare. And she'd kept some mementos from her time there. She'd kept a notebook with details of the babies and of the young women who passed through the home. And she'd also kept some of the paper bracelets, the baby's identity bands. And along with her niece, Beth, she just, they decide, the two of them, that what they're going to do is try and track down these children obviously now they're people in their late 40s to see if they can help them find their birth mothers and at the start they say well but we're not going to get involved now just strictly passing on information but of course they get involved so it's the story of Katie and then there's a parallel story running through the book um, set back in the home Carrick Brack um, many years before and it tells the story of Patricia a young woman who's sent there by her parents and the whole thing ties itself up together in the end. What I also found interesting was you brought into it something that 
activists have been talking about for years, Rachel, and that is what they call the de facto adoptions. These were the ones for which there's no paper trail. One of your central characters, it's heartbreaking. He's going down road after road after road after road and discovers that there's actually no official record of his adoption. Yeah, and that's something I've been fascinated by. I'm sure you'll remember that just a couple of years ago, there was an inquiry announced into yes. this practice where, yes, where people had had false names on their birth cert, as in their adoptive parents were listed as their birth parents. And at the time, it was portrayed in some quarters as that this was almost a new discovery. Yet I dug out a tape I had recorded 24 years ago, back in, back in 1996, of actually a group of women in Cork who were born in Bespera. And one of them told me at that time that the names on her birth cert couldn't have been her birth parents, that it was the names of her adoptive parents that were listed on the form. So that, that practice seems to have been known a quarter of a century ago. Yeah, and there's thousands, tens of thousands. And it makes it, as you say, just impossible for people, for people like the, the, the character in the book, who you, you think you're getting somewhere and you're given information, but that every time you're going to hit a brick wall because the details that you were given just aren't true. And what I like about it is the character of Gary, he's a, he's a star, he's a celebrity, <laughs> and that yeah. indicates that this is these people are everywhere. Yeah, I wanted to try and do that as well, that... that there, there are kind of three main characters in the book who, who are searching. And um, there are three very, very different characters, but they are all drawn together. They do have this one thing in common, that they all believe that they were born at around the same time in the same home. And they'll always have that link. And there's also then the kind of, it's almost as one of them says at once, like it was like the look of the draw as to which family they went to. But they'll always have that connection, even though they're, they're very, very different characters. And I think the birth mother of one of them says at one point, well, at least you all had choices. We were given no choice. Yes. And there's cruelty in it. There is. I mean, I, I it's kind of, it was hard. This is one of the things that was hard. I found it hard to know. There was undoubtedly very cruel practices in some of these homes, some more so than others, it would seem. But I suppose as well, I mean, the real cruelty, I always think, was that women were deprived of a choice and they were deprived of their freedom. Women who'd committed no crime um, were treated as though they were criminals. I mean, I remember reading a report a couple of years back about um, about a, a young woman who escaped from a mother and baby home and being apprehended at Dublin Port and being brought back by the guards. Now, she'd committed no crime. It shouldn't have been any business of the guards. But, but that, that was what happened to her. Yeah. Yeah, as I say, it's it's is number two in the bestsellers list. The last time I looked, um, it's it's a it's a well written story, well researched. And as I say, if you're getting the endorsement from people who've been involved in it for years, like I have, you're on a winner here, Rachel. Yeah, well, I really I really appreciate that. Thanks very much because it is. I suppose it was a subject I'd written about before, but I wanted to go back to it yeah. because I felt there were more stories to tell. There are endless stories. You, to you've tell done some there. work in Besborough, I know, back in the day too, and that that stuck with you. It did, yeah, it did. Like, like I mentioned to you a couple of minutes ago, I remember being sent down as a young reporter down to interview a group of women who had formed a support group in Cork. And one of them had found her birth mother and told this amazing story, like just stunning, about standing outside when she thought she'd tracked down the right family. She stood outside a family wedding 
and she didn't approach anybody. She didn't say anything. She just watched them all and she knew that, that these were her people. And, and then later, I don't know, maybe a couple of months later, she introduced herself to one of her birth mother's other daughters. And, and the daughter said to her, well, we can't deny you anyway. You're the image of us. <laughs> I think uh, I know who you're talking about. Actually. Do you? Yeah, I think I do. Well, you think if there's every chance that you do, because, I mean, you, you may well have spoken to the same women yourself down the years, but I, um, and at the time as well, I went into Bessborough. I kind of look back now and think I perhaps didn't appreciate the significance of everything quite as much as I should have done, because that was 1996. And when I look back now, Vesper didn't close until 1996, so there, there's every chance that, you know, that there were still young mothers there at the time. That's absolutely true. Rachel, congratulations on the book. I think you might have a couple of copies you can give us for people who are in isolation. I do, yeah. I mean, if you, uh, if, if your listeners want to get in touch or whatever, I do, and I'd be happy to send them out because I know there's a lot of people at the moment now are stuck at home and they're, they're probably desperate for something to read, so I'd be more than happy to, to send out a couple of copies. We'll organise a way to do that in the next day or so. Thank you. And, okay. Th- thanks, Rachel. Thank you very much. Rachel English, uh, the author of Paper Bracelet. Uh, we'll pick a couple of winners at the end of the programme. So I've just given you the name of the book again. What is it called? And we'll pick, will we do three, three, three? So text in or WhatsApp the name of the book and your name to 083 396 96 96. And we'll do three just before we go. Now, this, when I picked up the book, it rung a bell in my head for other reasons that I was familiar with, with, with the, the content. I also had spoken to Kathy a year or two ago. Kathy had been a nurse in one of these places, and she'd made her own little collection. Kathy, how are you? Hello, good morning, DJ. How are you? Lovely thank to you. talk to you again. Oh, thank you so much. I was amazed when the book came out. I said, I've read about something. I've talked to someone about this before. Remind listeners again what you kept. Um, I was a student nurse in St. Patrick's, Temple Hill, Black Rock, County Dublin. Now, the difference between us and uh, the fictional story in the book is that ours was a children-only home. It was, as the nun described it, a holding pen for children Mm pre-adoption. Now, we never had the mother stay uh, in the home with the children. They just came to visit. So what I had done is, um, as I was training, a baby would come in and you'd stand for it in baptism. And as every day those armbands had to be checked that they weren't getting too tight because the children were putting on weight. And if I had stood for a particular child, to me, that was my child. Yeah. So I kept that armband and I had kept them for 43 years. And then uh, I had some photographs and I wasn't unique in this. There were a lot of the nurses had done it. Now, uh, we've had uh, reunions, maybe we're on our fourth reunion this October coming, of past nurses. And some of them told me that they were told in later years that they weren't allowed to take photographs. So I don't want anyone to think I was doing anything kind of illegal or underhanded. It's the only time we could take a photograph is when we were on night duty. Yeah. So it was the only time of the day that you actually had some time. Every other hour of your day was, you know, the nuns idle hands make trouble so we won't give you idle hands we keep you busy so we were very busy in the daytime but at night time when you were on night duty you fed your baby your babies were asleep and then you had the time to go around and if you were feeding your particular child you could snap a picture of it or 
picture of you and the baby, and mm. or maybe a nurse would take the two of you together, which in my case happened a few times, and I was so glad to have them. So I um, heard a lady on the radio about four years ago saying that she was uh, from a place called St. Patrick's Temple Hill, and there was nobody there now to ask her about it. And uh, she wanted to know, like, how was she looked after? Was she well looked after? Was it like those orphanages where the cots were lined up in dormitories? And mm. was she ever hugged? Or was she allowed to cry? You know, all these dreadful things. So I rang the radio programme, and uh, a social worker from Tusla came out to me. And we sat for hours in the garden. And uh, when, I, when she was leaving, I said to her, look, I can tell you everything, show you everything I was telling you about is true. I have an album full of uh, photographs and armbands. And she couldn't believe it because they had only received the files in Temple Hill. There was no memorabilia, there was nothing. Mm. So all they had was this paperwork, which you know was kind of, you know, you have to delve into it to get anything. But I could actually show her photographs of children and wards and armbands. And she said to me, God, this this is... And I said, look, take them with you. I'll take the few that mean I have duplicates of some of them. So I said, I'm going to keep these and you take the rest. And then I thought, do you know what? There's, there's a hell of a lot more like me out there. Maybe we could do something about this. And with the help of a little uh, child, I used to have a crush years ago. And one of my first children is now in her mid-twenties. And she helped me set up a page called Temple Hill Nurses right. uh, on Facebook. And through that, we have now got 57 nurses to join us. And they've all given us back the memorabilia that they had of their special child. And to date, we have, well, now, in October, we had a reunion in Cork and the social workers in Tuesley came out. And they told us in October, we had 880 individual pieces returned to the children. My goodness. So wasn't that nice? That's marvellous. So that's kind of fiction echoing real life, if you want, here. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, even that little armband with their name on it, to think that somebody kept it for 30 and 40 years, remembering them. And, you know, when the nurses contact our page or they might phone me here, I'd say to them, you know, when you're sending me your memorabilia, will you just put a little note in saying that um, you remember the child, if you remember the child, and if you want the child to make contact with you, you're, you're welcome to do so. I'll leave you my number. And, you know, the amount of children that have taken up that opportunity. One of our lovely nurses, um, Angela, I'll, I'll say her name, she wrote poems about all her children. Right. And they've received the uh, poems. Excellent. And uh, it's just, you know, like it, to us, it's the most natural thing in the world because they yeah. were our children. But to, 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 to someone searching for the, for the scraps of their identity, it, yeah. it, it means the world. Cathy, thank you. It's great to talk to you again. I know we, we, we spoke a couple of years ago when you started this. Temple Hill Nurses, the Facebook page is still there, is it? It is. Temple Hill Nurses Facebook Excellent. page. All right. If anybody wants, so wants to... No, no. My pleasure. My pleasure. That's Cathy. Thank you. And Rachel English before that. Three copies of that uh, book. Uh, Eileen Murray, uh, Carol McDonald, and Mary Falvey. Uh, Eileen's in Rostellan, Carol's in Crosshaven, Mary's in Mayfield. It's called The Paper Bracelet, and we've got uh, three signed copies of that for you. That's it. Stay safe. Wash your hands frequently. The number for the HSE is 1850 24 1850. Podcast later. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, Fergal. See you in the morning just after nine. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. 
But you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Spin your passion into a business with Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time. The world's best converting checkout. Shopify's legendary checkout makes it easier for customers to shop on your website, across social media, and everywhere in between. Now that's music to your ears. Any way you spin it, you can be a smash hit with Shopify. Start your dollar a month trial today at shopify.com slash records.